Welcome to the Sidebar, a book club for very late skeletons. I'm David. I'm Gabe. When I'm not spanking, I'm spangling. And I'm Capitalissimo, and I overthink everything. <laughs> Today we are covering Tales of the Unreal, Volume 2, the long-awaited sequel to Tales of the Unreal from Unreal Press, a, uh, a collection of weird tales and various other sort of short writings from a uh, collection of pseudonymous authors and ne'er-do-wells and ne'er-do-wells and doxers demons and doxers would be a great title demons and doxers that that'll be the uh that'll be the the retrospective that that uh that our friend of the pod miles mcnaughton writes about unreal when it finally gives up the I ghost. actually have my I, uh, my title idea by the way for the next unreal okay. sci-fi anthology the last of sus uh uh yeah what do you think? it's like it's... i'm viewing that that's 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 millennial cringe millennial oh uh, i'm sorry are you I, you're I'm saying it's uh it's uh oh, what is it neoliberal kitsch yeah it is peak neoliberal <laughs> kitsch that's ryan johnson made a joke like that man that's pure neoliberal kitsch i'm yeah it is a little uh it is a little making uh two overlapping pop culture references is definitely like an the 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 a klein-esque sin <laughs> we'll see I, I might just do what i did with this one and, and never submit it to wise, miles on wise. time yeah uh and for 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 all those listening uh recall <laughs> recall that david did was intending to get published in and this and never submitted a story so when we're extremely harsh to everyone who actually uh submitted anything and got it in there just uh you know Take that with as much uh, as many salt licks as you as you like. Yeah, it's all sour grapes. And actually, before we dive into the stories proper, maybe we, should we give a little background on why we're covering Unreal Press? Because we've had a few new people find us who may not be familiar with Unreal Press. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, Unreal. Uh, Unreal. Nepotism. Unreal, <laughs> nepotism. Unreal Press. So we <laughs> met. Uh, we met uh, through the 4chan lit board, um, and through a prod through unreal press which is a primarily 4chan born um collaborative i guess would be the right right thing to call it and so this is this is sort of uh you know respect to the roots uh you know the the first things that we covered the, our first our first ever ever episode on mixtape hyperborea also a also a 4chan project and there's kind of an interesting scene there too because people that may have discovered us through twitter probably aren't aware of the the lit scene as it is because it's really very siloed its own little very siloed world over there it's yeah it's so crazy siloed there's little minor figures um you know little celebrities there that no one in the outside world would ever hear of there's you know f gardner jumps to mind ogden nesmer who's in this book and a few others so, you know people not that those two are at all similar ogden nesmer um, is an actual pig man yes yes it's an actual plane stealing pig man but yeah it's its own little world and um it has a very different culture too like tw- the right-wing twitter culture is um I don't know. It, it's it's a completely different beast. I'd say the lit culture is much more brutal towards one another. Uh, uh, actively, 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 and, um, d- actively, actually dangerous in some yeah, a lot cases. More estrogen. Yes, DMCAing one another, doxing one another. 
yeah, a, a very a very claws out sort right. of uh, sort of literary scene. Um, whereas yeah. whereas uh, it seems it's, Twitter seems much more supportive, <laughs> uh, in in good ways and bad ways yeah. even I would say. But yeah, uh, we are we are we are um, paying respect to the ancestors. And we're gonna cover. Yeah, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna sing you the song of, of our people. And sometimes the song is really fucking off key and terrible. Oh, and one more thing, I guess, before we jump in, the way we're formatting this one, you know, as we've been starting to do this series, I think we've every episode we're learning how to do it a little better. This one is different because it's all short stories. So, at least I find the way we talk through things is there's always like a at least ten minutes of discussion just about an author style and this or that. And then there's a lot of this. Once you know what a, what a Wollston esque lo-fi prose chapter reads like, you know, you can, you can infer a lot and just, and just skim over this, this story or this story, this story, or this chapter, this chapter, this chapter of the same, you know, mixtape pepper Borea, for example. Um, Since these are each short stories, it's almost like a world unto itself. And so cap, you came up with a really, I think a solid system to try and keep us on track for this one. Each of us is going to try and take a first stab at one of these stories, give a quick over, plot overview, maybe read a quote, and then we'll try to discuss it. But just due to time constraints, because we have 17 stories total, I think it's we're going to keep it to, <laughs> I say this now, five minutes, ideally, five, I maybe don't put ten that minutes on me. per story. Don't put that on, don't put that on, on Gabe. Yeah. The poor boy could never... <laughs> Hey, listen, I'll keep it. I'll only expand on the actual good ones. Gabe, right. Gabe's silence is violence. <laughs> listen, you know you fucked up if I'm silent. All right. The first one up is uh, the cover story, the, the one that the, the cover is based on in this wonderful, wonderful, artificially intelligent oh, rendition. Oh, actually... I've I've already I already have to do a sidebar comment to you guys. Can we talk about the book book as product? Yeah. Before we dive into the stories, that's because that's huge. This is so something really cool that Unreal Press does as this sort of collaborative project is every every product they make is free. It's on their Substack. It'll be linked below along with the Substacks of the writers featured uh, who have them and such. So. One of the decisions I, I would say opening this up, many people not having heard of this is, you know, do you buy it? Do you read the free copy? I would go ahead and say pick up the free copy. I, I there are several stories in here that I think are just absolutely For worth sure. reading. Um, some that aren't quite, yeah, aren't quite as good. So there's a there is some really good stuff in this, and um, it's free. I have some beefs with the formatting. Miles McNaughton's shaking his boots out there somewhere right now. The yeah, the cover it's it's pretty good. There, it's not quite as good as the. Oh, this the last is way one's better. Cover. I'm gonna you know, come d- at, don't deny this one's way better than don't the last one, just because yeah. AI art has improved so much. the the last The last <laughs> one's cover was also AI, but it was like two weeks after that became available to the general public for free. So yeah, it's, it is. It, it yeah, it was it was before anyone was tired of it even. Uh, but it looked like but it looked like shit. It was terrible. Now anyway, you can tell by uh, the hand in the crotch. The yeah. it was the design elements. The so not the art itself, but there you can tell like there was no there's no texturing on this one. On the last one, there was some really cool texturing on the spine of it and on the edge that um, the graphic designer um, Zapper shout out 
uh, did on that. And also the shading at the top under the letters. Pro tip to anyone that ever puts out a book, if you want it to look like 25% more professional in three seconds, put a black semi-transparent like shadow behind it, like the, the lettering. Like all of a sudden things will look, they'll, they'll pop more, which this doesn't have, but the other one did. Anyway, this is, that, this is, that's super, super nitpicky. My, really my main beef is there's like some fuck ups in the formatting, like these like weird symbols. There, there are. And a few spots. And, and poor, uh, and the, and the last story in the book, Louis, Louis Lappin's mouths. Uh, unfortunately the, the title page of it has not been formatted correctly. And so instead of saying mouths, it says title. <laughs> Which is which is a which is a oh, big goof. Bros. Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> um, no, it, it leaves it more ambiguous. It's actually a proper accident. It's a, yeah, a yeah. Accident. Every everything that's had, like, wrong was suspense. done intentionally, and it's an artistic choice. That's that's how we'll cope. Listen, with how many amateur authors love to name drop the Fair. fucking titles, it's a blessing nice. in disguise. Good, good, uh, good uh, disrespect to the author. Spite, spite for the author, Gabe. <laughs> Listen, I, I love Latinos. All right. Oh, we I know that. Number one fan. I, so I don't want to be overly harsh. I, I, I think it's I think it's a good product overall. Um, but just in terms of if you're going to throw money down for it, I would say it has it has issues. I'm not sure if they're going to be fixed at this point. So that's why I would just suggest going with the free copy. Um, uh, also, the, the overall product is meant to look like a Weird Tales magazine from, you know, the early, early 20th century, sort of a very... Um, uh, you know where Lovecraft would have originally been published in in those types of like pulpy mm-hmm. anthologies, um, and the typesetting on the front is is evocative of that. Um, you know the the tag on the cover art, uh, it being based on the Water Nymph by Palmer Adams, and then the, there being an ad on the back cover, and the ad is the ad is very. Mm-hmm. It's very, it's very, is very humorously done. It's for Zulu Alitspa's, um The Savage Green, uh, which is a good novel uh, on uh, the magically real Florida. Uh, so, um, which is mm-hmm. which is a book I would recommend that you read. It it came together pretty well overall. So I'm sorry if I if I sound overly harsh. It's just um, you know, it's just if you're spending real money on something, I think it you deserve to be aware of that um, those issues. Um, but but pick up the free copy absolutely and read yeah just just read ahead you can you can listen to our cheat sheet here uh, but I think beyond this point are spoilers so I guess take that course of action evasive action otherwise uh, we could just dive in with uh, the water nymph all right the water nymph the, this starts off a little bit differently there's a bit of a hard contrast between tales of unreal one and tales of unreal two. Other than the fact that protagonist of the cover is not playing pocket pool with themselves <laughs> nice. in this one, um, the water nymph it drops off as a very there's a protagonist. It's very Lovecraft. It's very what ChatGPT would give you if you ask for a Lovecraft story, right? Basically, it is a daughter looking for her father who is basically a painter. You know, he's camping out in the it's woods one day. It's he starts son. having visions of a lady in the lake. Yeah, it's the, a guy. Isn't it? It's definitely a guy. No, the, is, is it a daughter? It had a very feminine. It had a very feminine Gabe, voice. You're lonely. That, um, so a dude <laughs> comes in. Oh, oh, I guess he. <laughs> oh no! I guess you can say this is a story about a son getting his father's Jeez. sloppy seconds. In that case, 
Because, um, of course, it's a reveal. It's very epistoral. I forgot what the term is when it's like mostly. Epistolary. Epistolary, yes. Yes, it was right on my tip of my tongue. It's very epistolary. I think it's just first person, yeah, retrospective. I don't think, I think. It's for, it's for, yeah, it's not, it's not a series of letters written back and forth. It is a, it's in the form of a first person recounting of events. Um, presumably in a letter style format, but it's just one big thing. Well, from the protagonist POV, because he's yeah, it is, it is sort of letter. I, I, I get what you mean. I think it's not truly yeah, epistolary, yeah, but it is formatted in that yeah. way. In letter. But it's, it's giving journal. an O to it anyway. It is, yeah. It's it's journalistic. Yeah. So here's like the first opening line. <clears throat> Somewhere to some far remote region, my father George Harper had gone. He had been missing since last Tuesday, and ever since I heard the news of his disappearance, I, along with the rest of my siblings, have been restlessly searching for any clues that might bring us closer to explaining this shocking turn of events. And it it keeps that tone throughout. Uh, like I said, it this is nowhere near as strong as the first story of uh, Tales of Unreal 1, Traffic Stop, which was fantastic, by the author that appears later on in this volume, uh, Zulu. Basically, it's just, to put a short, guy looks for his dad. Dad got clipped by uh, the art hoe of the sea, the water nymph, the protagonist of the cover. He finds the nymph himself, he goes crazy, and that's basically it. I have actually not much to say. The The prose is really nothing. There's no really character. The There's no really evocative imagery, at Dear least not for Lord. me. Lord. And that's basically <laughs> it. Yeah, Sounds like you have more, some, lo- some love for Yeah, no, I to, thought uh, I thought up. it was like, I thought it like really nailed the, uh, that sort of like mythos sort of, of um, way of, way of speaking. Um, you know, for example, during the, during the search for his father, um, he starts trying to find this, this lake in the woods. Um, and the locals guide him a certain distance, but the, the land gets really weird, and eventually they just refuse to, to go any further. And, um, you know, <clears throat> he starts saying, uh, let's see, here's another quote. They were correct in that this land was different from the wilderness before it, for after I had crossed the bridge, I noticed a subtle shift in the surrounding scenery. The plants grew older and stranger, sporting Paleozoic patterns and long-forgotten colors. The oaks grew more twisted and closer together, oftentimes forming such an impenetrable walls that I had to walk a long distance just to continue on my path. And like, so this is like, that's the type of in investigation leading to madness that's that's extremely thematic for for this type of project. Like, this is the type of story that... Um, that ought to be in Tales of the Unreal. Like I, I think that I think they really like nailed the voice and the theme. And yeah, it's like it's it's genre for sure. Right? He he finds the he finds the water nymph. She's a this giant woman who's beautiful, but at some point the spell you know, he uh, the spell breaks and he realizes it's just this horrible water hag, runs away goes back to civilization but he's haunted by the voice of the nymph and at the end of the story leaves to go sacrifice himself to this like obvious predatory malevolence um and like that's that's like a thousand percent nailing the theme right so 
Yeah. So like, yeah, the, the, it, it is a heavy riff on Lovecraft. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't, you know, no, no points for like having a completely original voice or anything, but, uh, you're definitely doing the assignment. So, yeah, but Lovecraft has better prose. He does good. Um, some of his diction, like he, t- he like rambles about paleo, paleozoic, whatever, you know, ancient shit and, and some of that. My, I did struggle. I would say, yeah, the prose was a little too um, simple. My main note was my favorite five dollar word specificity. There was like a, there was a ton of things about her song, her, the melody, her song. There was in the um, the the two escorts that the man had. They're they're really not described beyond that they're men. Like it's like are these like rough rough fishermen? Are these like mountain folk? Like where is Arkhamville? Like what is this? Is this like I, at first I I wasn't sure if they're like in India or something. I missed that they were in Arkhamville. I was like, is this like overseas? Like where is this? Like there's not a ton of that really juicy specificity in terms of you know saying that her song sounded like silver chimes or you know this kind of bugle or you know like a real something you wrap your wrap your hands around uh it was a little bit generic in in a lot of the the language i guess was my issue now that's why i said it's like basically chat gpt right because like there's a lot of flavor in lovecraft right people meme like the hyper the hyper meme of lovecraft is oh undescribable horror Right, but if you read something like I don't know, Music of Eric Zane, right, or or even Shadows Over Innsmouth, he's actually quite detail oriented everything around the, the undescribable thing. The music, for example, how he describes the um, Eric Zane playing his um, not it's harp, a stringed know, instrument, cello. whichever. Yeah. Vi- no, is it har- is yeah. or cello? That is my favorite. That is my favorite. Yeah, he, uh, he, he, he favorite. describes the playing, uh, the creaking, story, the mood. Yes, it's fantastic. There's no tentacles in it. It's uh, that's my standard of Lovecraft, and this just feels like a guy who plays the video games of Lovecraft or something like this, and the meme of Lovecraft without actually experiencing Lovecraft. If you had like that's another edit pass or so with like, the, I think the kind of feedback we're giving, I think it could have been stronger. But I would say that yeah, plot wise, it really hit the nail on the head, and it, and overall, it was yeah. it was competent. Like it was in no way um, failing. My my critique is more like you know, polish, I guess would, was my right. um, mind, but all right, we're at 30 minutes on, uh, still in the first story. <laughs> How are we feeling boys? Feeling great. <laughs> Brutal. All right. Well, so the next one is Vanta black by Alex Bayman. Um, Vanta black is the story about a, a young gentleman who is in what's basically like a, he's in a, a hyperbaric chamber He's been hermetically sealed from the outside world like so that they can run some medical tests on him. And uh, shortly after he enters the chamber, uh, the atmosphere of the earth blows off um, and the planet is exposed to the void. So every everything around him, he, he witnesses the apocalypse through this little porthole in his chamber and sees all the windows blow out of the hospital that he's in. Um, sees people sees people who were you know walking outside collapse and you know in the by being explosively decompressed i guess and it's sort of him coming to grips with this he's on a he's on borrowed time anyways because the you know the chamber's not meant to be 
you know, <laughs> is not a countermeasure for the atmosphere of the earth being blown off. But it, it does give him some time to think about his yeah. uh, his situation. So um, our, our, you know, uh, unfortunate survivor uh, is is contemplating his lot and he's he's running out of water running out of food rapidly um and eventually he uh eventually he decides to just uh die on his own terms and he he opens the door and goes out onto the lawn and gets cooked by the full light of the sun as he decompresses so well, don't forget, uh, don't forget, he also gets cooked to that sexy nurse babe next to him. Yeah, 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 a nurse who he failed to let into the chamber, <laughs> uh, who died against the door. He he uh, has a, a entirely one-sided kinship with her. That and the clown. Actually, the clown so yeah, the, really the, loved um, coming to the entrance to the hospital. So yeah, he does mention that. Also, so, someone had said that a clown would be coming to. Uh, would be coming to the hospital and he muses that you know the clown must look ridiculous uh he says let's see here's the quote the sort of clown that comes to cheer up terminally ill children she mentioned something about a large order of balloons for him to hand out despite myself i laughed as i imagined all of the balloons bursting at once when it happened then falling limply to the floor all around his body like a bouquet of wilted flowers and <laughs> I I I did laugh aloud at at, at that image. Fantastic. Yeah, and, uh, and yeah, as really he good. as he exits the hospital in his dying thoughts, he he does see he does see the clown collapsed outside, just outside the entryway, yeah. and he he's, uh, <laughs> one of his dying thoughts was you know ah well that is funny. <laughs> I love the 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 really great feeling of desperation. Um, the sort of doomed feel like this definitely uh, the mood of it got into me it was really well done it's very polished you, you really you really feel the work with this one yeah except there was some uh some fuck ups at the right at the finish line in terms of um tenses it goes it's past tense for the entire thing it switches to present back and forth a little bit at the end just it's just an editing thing did not ruin the story in the least but just something to keep an eye out for which actually could have made sense. You could have transitioned to present and stayed in present, but it, it wishy-washed um, or went back and forth rather. No, otherwise, yeah, I just love this one. I, I thought this one, I mean, for being like, for packing in uh, such a such a specific and creative premise and executing the full like mental life of this character in seven pages, very good. Yeah, I, I like this one a lot. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's extremely polished. Yeah, this was this is one of the this should have been the this, I treat this as the re, first legit real story. Yeah, because, well, what would the cover? What would the cover of best? Just the nurse, the nurse, <laughs> just as a void or the clown. Oh my god, the clown! Yeah. Being no, the clown, one. the clown. Yeah. Oh god, that would yeah. Because <laughs> this is like a second a story with the clown in it. Yeah. If you want the cover no, story, you gotta have some imagery. You gotta have some imagery AI, if you want the cover story. A woman. How are they like, gonna generate AI, the prompt? Making women. I say this is someone that has to, to use it for my blog, you know, and and it just tries to convert. You can you can type in, um, you know, carrot. You can type it's for in the horse, blog, honey. I swear. And then, yeah, it just turns into this like giant big titted anime chick. That's the default because that's what all the coomers, I guess, are doing on there all day. It's just remembering your default. <laughs> hey, AI God knows the truth. It's just yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, wh- wh- well, for waifu me, what is story... waifu. That's, the, that's what the AI <laughs> god knows. You see, this is why Japanese worship technology. It makes so much sense now. Nick Nick Land. That's that Nick Land is his is coming around to it, and he's going to say, you know what, you know the the AI gods are women. That's that's what we're going to determine through all of this. Uh, you know, God really is a woman. The Ehos are right. <laughs> But uh, but no, for real. Back to this story. I actually do want to talk about this story. Like this story actually encapsulates both the successes of this novel, of this particular collection, and the flaws of so both amateur writings of Volume One, Volume Two. If you notice with a lot of these stories, they come up with a funny concept. You know, maybe for example, like uh, dangerous plants, and then they do nothing with it. They like they have like a napkin idea, like oh my god, this is such a cool idea. And they basically do nothing with it. We should probably this just one, cover that one when we cover that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's one. Yeah, keep me vague. But this one, from the one, the title is perfect. The opening line is extremely good. You the know, title's the copyrighted, by the way. <laughs> of course, <laughs> as it should be. <clears throat> There's a few silver linings in all this. I think the original had something to do with clouds. That part's no longer applicable, of course. Right, because it's a world of no sky, mm-hmm. and like there's something really beautiful about this—the imagery, and like you said, he gets to he gets to horror, he gets everything about the concept he can. He yeah. just milks Extremely it perfectly. Affecting. There's another great quote about this, right? This sky metaphor. Uh, here's the other quote: "No holy book predicted this that I know of." There was nothing in the way of a warning, no alien invasion, no speech for the president, or commandments from the sky to build an ark. One moment, the sky was there, then it just wasn't. Like, this kind of mood, this kind of peace, everything about it just kind of gels together. Like, the theme of just a skyless universe. You feel it. And, you know, the Everything from, again, the clowns. He, he does horror. He does humor. He does an odd wonder to it. Like, there's a certain majesty to it, kind of, because it even ends with him kind of saying, you know what? This is kind of beautiful. Yeah. You know, other than the single, like, the whole, it's just empty black, just empty blackness, a complete void. But there's an odd beauty to the void. You know what I mean? He he looks, it, it's not it's just pure horror or pure, oh, my God. You know, it's not like, it's not like Total Recall, you know, where his eyes pop out. You know, it's, it's supposed to be like a gimmick or a shtick. It's not a shtick in this. This man goes through several emotions basically at once for seeing something so actually properly Lovecraftian. Like, Lovecraft would have a dream about this. Like, during his, like, schizo night visions. What, what do they call it? Sleep paralysis? Like, this is a sleep paralysis moment. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is actually, oddly enough, more neo-Lovecraftian. And much more of a neo-Lovecraftian idea of the actual archetype of his beliefs, and it was kind of his yeah. shtick or chic than yeah, the first. Yeah, it's, story. it's more scientific oh, or yeah. whatever, but materialistic. But it's like the world exposed to the void, it, and it's inexplicable. Yeah, com- completely out of control. No, no pos- no possible yeah. solution to this problem. You know. Mm-hmm. Because that's uh, how Lovecraft went crazy. Was actually he tried to be an astrologist, but then he thought of the concept of space, and it uh, mind broke him. I, I, anything else on that one, or just keep cruising? Uh, uh, just uh, as a final point, overall one of the best stories here in terms of execution. Great opening line, it, uh, everything. It just kind of comes together perfectly. Very well done, yeah, Mister. Really Alex. strong. Very well done. Uh, moving on to the next one, Sleep of the Diviner by Sophus. 
And let me just open with the reading, because I think this first opening paragraph captures it pretty well. Oh, Anoxia, that mindless, dreamless sleep, to stagger along a road, fumes of what you were, to look down at faded map melting in midnight rain without a clue as to what is happening, heavy, humid breaths all the way up another hill, empty air pooling in lung bottoms the whole way down, asphalt slick with rain, sodden shoes fail to gain traction, Really, where was it that you were meant to be? The rippling haze of gray pines holds no answers, merely fencing the road. The sun is long set. It is getting cold. So Sleep of the Diviner is a sort of fever dream, second person nightmare of the this person wandering. They don't even know, I think, where they are, but they're like trying to cross a state. They have this, this like tattered map. They're, they're like, their mind is going... They're, the world is like is is sort of vacillating between maybe reality and maybe this nightmare world where he thinks he's being followed by a man. The man approaches, then I think he vanishes. Um, he's trying to seek. You're trying to seek your mother. You see, uh, enter a gas station. There's this giant bird baby being eaten by ants behind the counter, and then he reapproaches, and it's actually a young woman. And then he leaves and um, the man and the woman from the gas station are both chasing him, basically hold him down. And then uh, they force him to eat their fingers and the, the eating of fingers, the vomit flavor are kind of these consistent themes throughout it. Um, you know, plot wise, it's it's pretty thin. That's not really what it's about, but it's it's very well, very well written. Yeah, just a fever dream of just disgust and nightmare. So it really fits the theme, in my in my opinion, of weird. It did it did leave me. I felt like I was supposed to get something from it. And when I first finished, I was just like, like what? Like what was like what was the end? Like was I supposed to understand? Is that a metaphor? Is that Jesus? Is that <laughs> something? I don't know. Maybe it is. Sophus is um is an esoteric dude, maybe. But I, it was one of my. Yeah, one of my favorites reading. I read I read it twice just for fun. I'm not sure if I got filtered nice on this one. Brainlets. <laughs> me too. The prose is a lot better than the next story that does because the, this story and the next story are kind of very haiku esque, like stream of consciousness. This yeah. one does it a lot better because it's a lot more evocative, right? The the story after this is pure like pseudo exposition, like just telling you facts than anything else. This one you actually get a feel, right? You feel the rain crumpling the map in his hand, the bridge. I thought at first, like, oh, is this like a werewolf story? Because, oh, is this passing out? You know? But overall, it just doesn't... It reminds me of a jar from the first one. A little bit. In terms of, like, it's more experimental. He's trying to do something, but it doesn't... There's no bow. It's an open circuit. It's not a closed circuit. You know what I mean? It, the energy's flowing, but it just kind of evaporates into the air. I mean, it's a nice steamy air. It's got flavor to it. It's a smoky feel. The ending uh, paragraph where he describes... Delicious, flavorful Yes, air. the blood pooling in his mouth as he eats the fingers. It's actually yeah. quite good. I, I liked it quite a bit. It's very evocative. It punches you, really. That's the most like descriptive prose in the piece, actually. You know, and they're screaming, like, half me, half me. Like, you know what I mean? It's very... It's a, if you, It finally gets the blood pumping a little bit. Um, other than that, yeah, I got filtered, too. Uh, There's some very good prose. I like his imagery here imagery is a lot better than um then yeah, again the first story four stories ass but this one actually does have a very evocative feel to it and i guess the idea of lacking of oxygen is your mind's like blanking out and spacing out it doesn't outright tell you other than the first phrase 
So, and also the diviner, maybe that's something to do with actually like visions. I don't know. I mean, but... I, I think that my, 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 I think my overall thought of this one, a diviner is attempting to find a truth that is a, a remote truth, right? Or something that's something that is a, a hidden future event. The references to anoxia and being strangled, it kind of, and it kind of makes me feel like this story is um, like the last thoughts before a death or something like that. Like someone's, someone's brain is literally shutting down. And so they're reshuffling the thoughts that they had in this, like in the immediately preceding it or, um, or, or perhaps, you know, a mixture of merely symbolic things. That's that's where I, you know, if I'm if I'm trying to attempt to suss out uh, a a narrative, it would be my uh, that would be my um, explanation, both from the initial paragraph and the the last, you know, the la- the first line and the last line really are strongest. Yeah, yeah well, it's tissue. it's just you know to stagger along a road, fumes of what you were. Look down at a faded map melting in midnight rain without a clue as to what's happening. And then the last line is, um, or it's, uh, and his and his clammy fingers close around your throat. The bridge rushes towards you, but never quite meets. The rush of an infinite gap before blackness. So, like, if you were to say, it's like the inability to experience your own death or something like that. So there's just these, like, the the brain throwing out perception, but it's unable to perceive the, the end of it. I mean, that's, and I mean, you know, maybe that's a stretch, right? It could be. I just gave up on trying to construct like a solid plot. I was thinking it was either that or. You just, and just, just, just enjoyed the, just enjoyed the ride. Well, on we're just it. treating it as a fever dream. Like I was like, it might yeah. just be like a, a mad, a madman's nightmare kind of scenario or something. I, I guess I wasn't trying to, I rationalize it beyond that. After my initial confusion, I gave up. <laughs> um, okay, anything else on that one, or keep jogging? I want to give something to the authors. I, I feel like a dick if I don't, you know, give something good. Very good, evocative feelings. Heighten more on the connective tissue. There, the end has a punch, but you can put a lot more weight behind that punch, evocatively, in terms of imagery or mood. You, you know, if you don't, if you want to do a pure mood piece, you have to crank up the tension. You have to crank up the feeling, the energy, the, I, the adrenaline. I the adrenaline for my So I'd heart. say just try to close yeah. that circuit. I yeah. talked I was about sorry, that, Yeah, I guess for me, I, I felt the the tension from his like the the confusion and the and all that. But all right, hitting the hitting the stamp. Next, bring it up on the conveyor belt. We have what is it? Before they fall from Gabe. This one, I think this is a Millennium Tier. If I recall correctly, this is the Millennium Tier story. Because I think it's about 9-11. It's a meteor crashing no. to Earth. Yeah. Is it a meteor? It's definitely not no, because he talks. <laughs> no, because I remember correctly, the ending. right? Because he, he, it's, it's his pure stream of consciousness. Right? It's, you're, you're thinking from his pure head. Right? He's an alcoholic. He's, he quit for two years. You know, my bitch Madeline, she's with mother 100 miles away. You know, he, he's having visions of, like, Valkyries, Revelations, Antichrist. And it's, it's purely stream of consciousness. And uh, it, it basically, it tries to do what the last story did, but way less evocatively. 
because it's basically it just feels like a giant yeah, ass. I, my only note me. on this is more like before I hit the enter key. Thank you, thank you. Nice. That's all I have. Um, yeah, it is. Yeah, I got it is, this thing It is one paragraph. Like, yeah, I mean, it's definitely. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's either it's either nukes or a meteor or yeah. or something like that. So. Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 a drunk man walking through the streets of a city as as people as he just like witnesses people um, either doing violence or or doing sex or you know just dealing with the um, you know dealing with their imminent demise, imminent and unavoidable demise in whatever in whatever way they they feel is best and it's it's really a lot more like cynical and black pilled than say vanta black and it's it, it's not close <laughs> like by a lot it is uh uh it's just it's just darker and crueler than, than vanta yeah. black by a lot it gives some really good examples and imagery vanta black was like, i don't want to be totally negative it, it had some interesting stuff it didn't the main, yeah. you know, the protagonist. It's it's a flash fiction, basically. This is uh, like three pages or so. It is. Um, you know, I think it does with, with the space it has. It, it it creates this sense of utter panic, and this guy just being, you know, at, out of his gourd, drunk, and and a, you know, freak out. But it doesn't. I don't know. It doesn't really have. I don't know what it's missing. It doesn't really have. To say, I guess I would put it on par with the Water Nymph, where it's it's competent. Like it's not. I wasn't suffering reading it in the least. Like I was. I wasn't uh, bored or miserable, but I guess it was just so. It was so much so fast. Like a lot of it was just a newsreel of what's going on around the world. Right. Yeah. No. I mean, it, it's a, it's a. You know, if you were to if you were to film this, it would be thirty seconds of smash cuts. Right. It was shaky cam newscast B roll. But yeah, I mean, I I didn't I didn't hate this one. It was not one of my favorites. Um, yeah. But yeah. I mean, I would have liked this. I would have liked this one. I would have liked this one a lot more if I hadn't read Vanta Black like twenty pages before it. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Vanta Black sets up expectations. Yeah. Like, a lot of, I also have to say, like the editing of this. I would like. I would totally rearrange the stories completely. Well, the first one was organized a lot more cleanly. Like, basically, the best stories are bookends. Literally, the first stories were great. The end story is great. Here, basically, the end story is great. The first one is meh, and because Venta Black should have obviously been the first story. Actually, I think it's pretty similar format. Like, I think there's a 50-page rough patch in the middle, and I would say everything in the first, in the last third... Yeah, it's, it's called yes. saccharin. Everything in the first and last third is, like, either competent <laughs> or quite good, or really good. Like, I, I wouldn't say anything we've covered so far I, I, I hated like I, I thought, and this, this one, the short one we just did, you know, it was, it was competent. It was a little news, really. It was a little. It was fine. It was, yeah. it was a C. It was a C. Yeah. All right. Anyway, hit the, hit the button. <laughs> so the next one we've got is uh, Muriel's Intruder by K.R. Hartley. Um, okay, so it starts. It starts with you know. Li- <laughs> uh, okay, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read the, the first paragraph. Uh, Low clouds reared over the country and spilled like pitch onto the prairie, slow and wet and green at the edges. They wafted hither, the black fires approaching and rained across the gloam in small flickering sheets of light, fireflies like dragons in the reach. 
The sky blinked and faded and fell to the wind and the rinse came through in sharp sweeping parries that bent the horizon homeward and called the air into long bands of water. It's the longest way to say it was a dark and stormy night. Um, I, I, I did, I did way to en- say it. enjoy it, uh, though I don't necessarily agree with the... Uh, so I think some of the imagery does not really uh, jive with the rest of the story. The way that the way that this works is, or the the way that this story goes is, um, you know, there is a there is a couple enjoying their dark and stormy night, uh, uh, having having a lot of a lot of apparently fucking incredible sex, shagging on the rug, yeah, yeah, asking asking for pregnancy and God, sharing cigarettes, yeah. the best kind, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I wish that were me, um. So, and don't they paint with menstrual blood? Yeah, that does. Come yeah, she, she they won't paint she, the wall she, menstrual blood. The, or like the, the woman mentions blood? that she wants to paint the ceiling an incredibly dark red, and she wants it to be like menstrual blood, but not. She does not suggest that they paint it in menstrual blood. She's 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 passionate, not a complete freak. <laughs> it's a very anyway. Aesthetic. Um, and she's my wife. <laughs> and, <laughs> Um, anyway, so uh, uh, there's there's a knock at the door. <laughs> um, this creepy looking guy has some completely cockamamie story, and you know the woman is like, "Do not let that man in. Get him the fuck out of the house. He's gonna murder us." Um, man's like, "Dude, you gotta, you just gotta fucking go. You can't use my goddamn phone." So sends him down the road. Uh, woman's like, "Where did you send that guy?" Uh, like down the road. Well, call the neighbor so that, you know, uh, Muriel doesn't get murdered. Muriel being their 80-year-old neighbor. They get the phone call. Uh, I thought she was the one that got knocked up. How is your reading comprehension? Yeah, you're as bad Dave? as me at Millennium. <laughs> I know. I barely remember. You are fucking terrible. I barely remember the story. I barely remember. Well, the then story. maybe, maybe <laughs> don't interrupt the guy who knows what happens. <laughs> I'm trying to guess the ending. <laughs> well, okay. All right, so um, Miro gets the phone call, uh, springs into action, goes and get a sh- goes and gets a shotgun, um, uh, and uh, proceeds to go to a different part of the house and uh, and load the shotgun while this guy has has up- appeared at the house and is knocking frantically, demanding to be let in, uh, and. Uh, eventually, once she's fully armed, uh, the guy starts to break in, and it is a a full diehard sequence uh, with her trying to fend off this home invader and shooting him multiple, multiple times. Like, this guy eats so many shotgun blasts, it is unbelievable. After, after an in- intense action sequence that, you know, features her... You know, jumping out the window of the second story and getting into a car and ramming this guy and her car through the wall of her own house um, and not reloading this shotgun for a good 16 shots, uh, which so she's she's carrying she's carrying a uh, Saiga with an extended uh, (laughs) mag or something insane. Uh, the the police eventually, you know, arrive and she 
she sort of rolls over into the grass and looks up at the looks up at the at the storming sky um in a a full like 1980s uh action sequence basically yeah this one was like heavy slasher dna to me like it felt like um chainsaw massacre or i don't i don't know just like something that that kind of like energy yeah except she was like fighting back the entire True. time in art yeah. <laughs> so like uh what, what's the yeah. bruce willis one um, christmas tower um fucking yes die hard. die hard the one that i they, said yeah, at the sorry, beginning Cam, we're just like we're just like <laughs> cluttering up your uh your read of this listen i think my ending was more entertaining mm, to be so honest. true anyway so the um so yeah after after muriel rolls onto her back you do hear from the uh from the neighbors again and you know they saw the they saw the police sirens and they're like do you think she's okay i hope she's okay and uh she mentions that she wants to name the the baby Adam, if it's a boy and if it's a girl. And then it says she smiled and inched herself downward, filling her body and closing her eyes. So that part I remember. Yes. So this was a lot of fun. Uh, It was not a story that I, I think necessarily should have been included in tales of the unreal volume two. Wasn't weird enough. Like it was not a weird tale. It was an action movie. Like that's it. <laughs> like it was an it was an it was an action yeah. story. So like if this was like, you know, one of those like men's adv- if this was supposed to be like a men's adventure magazine, or something like that, or like a true crime magazine, or I mean, not a true crime, but you know, uh, a crime magazine, then you know that would have been on theme. But uh, but I, I don't know. Weird weird tales. This ain't it. Uh, that said, Mur- the only thing weird about this tale is its inclusion. But um, bum. Uh, yeah, that's it's true. <laughs> uh, uh, that said, uh, Muriel is a a cool diehard granny, and um, you know, I look forward to uh, you know, uh, Muriel's intruder, Muriel's intruder two, where it happens when she's uh, you know, getting on an airplane to go see her grandkids. <laughs> And she has to fight off a team of terrorists. <laughs> so there was the framing with a couple. To um, me, that was the weird oh. part. Like, but but it wasn't. Um, it wasn't Lovecraftian. It was just kind of. I don't know. It was just. It was literally weird. Like they were. Um, I, I, it didn't make any sense. Yeah. You know, I was trying to think. I was trying to think. <clears throat> is there? You know, is there a? <sighs> Is there an intruder? Like, you know, is there? Are we doing some sort of like weird thing with sexual penetration and home invasion? Because like maybe there's some, maybe there's like a like a kind of like fucked up mm-hmm. but cool multi level theme there. If that was the intent. Oh, so it is a rape? No, Gabe. I got. <laughs> read the fucking <laughs> like an home Did you do the reading? Did you do the reading? Yes. Gabe? No, because you're saying the metaphor, well, right? So home invasion, right? Vagina. I don't think he's saying I, look, it has to be I'm, rape. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm not, it was definitely not. Um, but <laughs> no, I'm just saying, is is there sort of like a, um, I mean, pas- pa- passionate, completely consensual sex can can you know be slightly violent in its in its uh, appearances, but um, you know, I just don't think that there's. 
I, I I don't think it's there. I don't I don't think the story has has that layer. No. Well, I do it. have a line of in- inquiry, real quick. Sincerely, I do. Yeah. Uh, did he ever do? Did the guy have a face? Because I remember the opening dialogue. The lady was like, "Oh my god, his face!" He had like a scarred like, face yeah. or something. Oh, that's it. Just a scarred the, face. The woman recognized the woman. The woman recognized him. Like the guy was standoffish, but the woman recognized him as dangerous. Oh, the woman. The woman oh, immediately weird. recognized him as being as being hostile. Like she saw right through any sort of pretense. So, was there any supernatural element? I d- doubt it. Or certainly nothing that had any sort of tangible or intelligible yeah, payoff. Yeah, that If like the two stories were too disconnected, like, the dude wasn't. The dude wasn't a. Mo- the dude wasn't a monster. Like he had a fucking yeah. kitchen. Knife. Was he black? <laughs> Based. That's how he took all those shots. He kept coming. He was. Uh, he was. He was dusted out. He was. Yeah. He was. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, he was. It was all the. It was all the. It was all the like speedball of like meth and fentanyl. Eventually, eventually, it wasn't even the bullets. He just couldn't breathe. Mm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, black literally don't crack. Yeah. I have to report this. God. I have to re- post about this on Lit endlessly uh, about <laughs> never getting, never getting monetized on YouTube. Anyway, okay. but but it, but but I would uh, say. It was, it, it was well written like i i had my issue was that it was more um like the two stories felt a little disconnected and yeah it wasn't i wouldn't say it was weird there that's a bit of a theme though i would say like a third of these stories were not weird like there's a, there's a lot of just post post-apocalyptic um you know even vanta black falls a little bit into that even though I, I give it a pass for the reasons we discussed but before they fall is just post-apocalyptic yeah i i um, i yeah, I mean Vanta Black is Vanta Black is like definitely like sort of a um an older style of you know it's I mean it's a little more of like a Rod Serling like uh Twilight mm. Zone kind yeah. of scenario, right? Than like say something that's Which totally Lovecraftian. But I mean I would I would definitely I yeah. would say it totally I don't want to be yeah. overly like, yeah, exactly. oh Weird Tales is Lovecraft. Oh, it's gotta be Lovecraft. Like that's not at all the case. Like there should no, be no, fantasy, no. there no, should be not. yeah, it's not. there should be the more yeah, Rod Sterling esque, just like wild shit. Like um you know, everyone's gone. Pussy portals. Oh my god. Oh, Tales three. I got my concept already. <laughs> um It's like mouths called holes. But anyway. Uh, we'll get to that. <laughs> Is that name taken yet? All right. All right moving <laughs> on. Moving on to Colder Than Ice by L.A. Labouchain. <clears throat> okay, so the plot of this one, our character, our heroine, Revere, is breaking into an abandoned gas station on the run from what she calls spiky people, uh, sort of some Fallout-esque raiders that she stole some food from. She's debating what to do. It's written in third limited. And basically it's just sort of a a combat sequence of they follow her to the gas station. She hides behind some shelves. She, I think she shoots one of them with her crossbow or she has a spear and then she makes a run for it. And they shoot are shooting at her with a crossbow. She, she, she has a spear and she has a spear and a gun and they, one of them has a crossbow and one of them has an ax. Three of them. And she's just by herself and there's this previous whole sequence that's referenced back of um, the theft. There's also some references to it being in hell, 
which I was not 100% clear. Like, is this literally in hell or is this like a post-apocalyptic world that okay, interprets so as hell? I, th- I, th- I thought about this a little bit and I think that it's just being interpreted as hell because um, it, it, they, so everyone, everyone who's there apparently just woke up mm-hmm. there. So they got, they got isekai'd into this like, into like Fallout. the world of, <laughs> The, of Cormac McCarthy's mm. The Road, and some of them just adopted the the like Mad Max uh, Fallout Raider type mm. of look. That those are the spiky yeah. people, right? Uh, but they they don't. He he doesn't really go into the whole like the scenario that caused her to arrive in this world. She said that like she was just mm. there one day. So I've read L.A. before. And the thing about L.A., I want to like L.A., all right? I do. I really do. He's very imaginative. He likes the subtle twist. He's like very low fantasy kind of author. Uh, I've read previous stuff where he managed to blend the isekai-esque scenario with a blend of like subtle realism. He's much more very action-oriented, right? He loves his action scenes, but he always sprinkles in like lore drops where you can pick up on it and actually kind of run the line before he reveals it to you. Here, I just didn't get much of that. It really just felt like, you know, I have an action scene scenario, Isekai a bitch in there, and yeah, that was basically my, that's it. I had three, I guess, um, issues with it. The first was the action scene blow, blow by blow, which my lord and savior, Brandon Sanderson, has lectures about, you know, just in fiction, in literature, in <laughs> writing. <laughs> it's, it's, he actually gives good advice Cold. on this one. Cold post. Um, Cold post. In, in writing, action scenes just often don't translate well. And so if it's if the majority of the scene is just leaning behind this or leaning behind that, waiting to strike here, waiting to strike there, it can get a little bit um, slower uh, feeling. And then there's this, the, the other two are, we get this like, there's so much references to before the um, this encounter at the gas station. It's like, why didn't the story just start there? Like if that if, if we keep referring back to this encounter so much, like why didn't we just you know let's just experience it and then and then experience the gas station, um, and then the last one was more of a um, I guess a phrasing challenge, just a lack of of consistent or direct naming. There's a lot of references to um, you know what the chainsaw face guy, the guy with a face like whipped like it's been whipped by a weed whacker. Um, the, the woman also gets like three descriptions and Revere herself is also described in er, descriptively rather than just with her name very often. And so, you know, that just added to a little bit of a sense of confusion where the story was so much about where four people are in relation to each other, their names for each other, not being always being consistent because we're, we don't even know the names of these three people and they're described slightly differently between each one and the story is just built on this blow by blow. So yeah, it just, it just created, yeah, it just didn't make it, fl- it just, it just did not flow because of those, those three sort of compounding issues. Plot wise, you know, completely written. It was fine. Thematically, not, not really weird. So yeah, to uh, me it's kind of a meh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, <laughs> it was whatever it was. It was another, you know, it was another action sequence, right? Actually, in, in in terms of ordering, I think Gabe, you had mentioned about your dream of reordering it. Yeah, this and Muriel's Intruder should be on opposite ends, just because content wise, yeah, they're both combat being right after yeah, each it, other. It is, Jesus that, Christ! That probably yeah. adds to my issue with this one because I like 
yeah, Mirror's Trail was fun, but it was very like um, combat intensive logistics of like where you are in the room relative to this as well. And then it's like, oh, here's another yeah. one, but with even like more characters um, on the on my Fallout Tactics map of. I- I did. I did think. I did think that Muriel's. I did think that Muriel's intruder had had better action, um, and I thought that colder than ice had more. Um, like I, I thought. I thought that the like internal monologue of, of Revere was yeah. kind of interesting. I haven't. Uh, uh, L. A. Labuschagne, the author of Colder Than Ice, um, has a couple novels that I have not read, but I I do own, so I will. I will get to those eventually, but like you know, this especially colder than ice, like really feels like something that is like a chapter in a I'm novel. I'm pretty positive it is. You actually. know, like it's you, you just you just pick you just pick I'm some random ninety nine point nine percent sure them. it is. Yeah, you just grab <laughs> nine pages out of the middle of of a book and it's like ah, I guess this is what a short story is. Um. All right. Good. Okay. Good enough. L.A. Anyway. You may live another day pushing the button next all right now it's for my double dealer ruby a dagger and uh saccharin right the the, the, we're finally back onto the kino short stories all right so ruby dagger is basically it's elric shored if you everyone knows elric of ribbon a it's uh basically it's about a thief a thief who gets a dagger he basically falls in love with this dagger if he's a calling to him right the dagger calls to him like stormbringer i think that's the name of elric sword i do right? not know so what El- the... El- 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 elric of melniborn eric Min- of uh El- Minine. oh El- 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 you mean michael moorcock yeah more El- El- elric of of melniborn yeah something like that yeah Mel- El- El- uh, anyways yeah, I, some of elbacore it's <laughs> 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 Anyways, yeah, of, of elbow porn, elbow porn, yes, of Melbourne, Melbourne. Lewis. It's just, it's just. <laughs> G'day, <laughs> yeah, nah. I'll be having that. <laughs> I'll be having that sword. <laughs> I'm not a thief. I'm an absconder. <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs> no, that, that, honestly, this was more entertaining than the actual story. This is another ChatGPT kind oh of story. Around the male. I'm sorry. It you, is. It is. You, what, what, what's the theme you just of this? Ruby dagger. Oh, what's yes. the? Th- it's a guy. Guy gets a cursed da- man. Okay. Ga- That's not a theme. That's a plot synopsis. Okay, so guy gets a. Okay, all right. Yeah, guy gets a cursed dagger. Uh, has to. Uh, has to start giving it blood, and it demands ever greater sacrifices. And he gets uh, he he gets a little shop of horrors like if you give a mouse a cookie, uh, slippery sloped into sacrificing like a, um, a barmaid into sacrificing yeah. a bunch of people. Yeah. Oh, I remember this side quest in Skyrim. Yeah. Yeah, it's a short one. It's like two store two pages. I I liked it. I it, it was not. Um, I, I I think it's it has issues. But, you know, it's short and sweet. It has a little bit of that. Um, I'm just, I'm, I'm desperate for any Clark Ashton Smith fantasy weird. And this is the closest we get in this one, which yeah. is not written. In, yes, I which agree. Mine was, by the way, if I'd submitted. Next time. Stay tuned for next time. Uh, it's a direct pastiche. But this, um, this is the closest we get. It is 
yeah so first he like breaks into a noble's house finds it on the skeleton and then you know just we follow it my main issue was the sequence of events wasn't super clear in terms of like it's not clear that he's in the hotel like that felt a little bit i, I don't know how to phrase this like, it, it 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 wasn't structurally clear like where he was as the story happened which could be intentional as like a reveal but to me it kind of took away from it where it was like we're we got caught up on all the stuff that already happened in the past tense and then it i don't know and then all of a sudden it's like he's about to kill someone um like the it didn't build it up in the time though just just the way the time the sense of time worked in it i gave a long response to this guy in a thread already so that was me by the way if you uh if you read that dude um I, I put I was more eloquent there. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, I think that this one was. Um, There's a redhead. I mean, in I it. think that that's nice. That wrong race. Um, I think that uh, <laughs> I think that this one was. Uh, I, I sort of interpreted it as kind of like a, a Stoker esque kind of setting. Um, like I imagined it as like high gothic, mm-hmm. sort of like dreary um eastern european sort of setting um and um i thought it was i thought it was thematically on point i thought it was um i mean i thought it was i thought it was right for the um for the i thought it was right for the book and like i i felt like it was fairly competently written i agree that like the the narrator's location was like it, it was it was the the course of events was nebulous in the telling right and his location was nebulous and i feel like that could have been nailed down a little better and i mean maybe even by just re reordering a yeah. few paragraphs but overall like you know this is a two this is two pages long and i think that there are a lot of con i think that there are a lot of like concepts and it's like a very fast way to narrate that fall so um i i i liked this one actually i think more than more than i more than either of you oh, did, i did for sure. i did like it but. um yes yeah, so i always leave my criticism but i liked the writing style um besides the, the the time clarity thing i was like struggling to put into words and it's so short i guess this kind of also goes into one of my complaints with like lit projects in general is there such a lack of editing and feedback not on the writer side for anyone in this book i'm not criticizing anyone there but in terms of like the editor of a publication like i get no one's getting paid for this but there's so much i just i don't know having been in some of this stuff you know it's just what you send is put in it i just think something like this you know if someone had given that feedback or some of these other ones it just it could have added a layer of polish and there's this culture of rushing. You're getting dangerously close to volunteering us to do <laughs> that shit. And I will not. <laughs> yeah. We're doing it for the community. Yeah. I'll only do it after you've put yourself out there. <laughs> I've already stretched too thin, but everyone else I'm sure has like a ton of free time. They can do this shit. So, you know, it's up to them. But anyway, just to say that's a, it's a concern I have with like the community of there's a lot of that and there's a lot of like like hurry up and like rush it out once you have it and then figure it out later. Um, like with this one, like why, like why didn't, why did Tesla Unreal Volume 2 not, why did it not come out in October? Like why did it come out in September? 
Um, like why not take a few weeks to have back and forth with writers? Um, I don't know this far afield from the story, but just a general thought I have. Well, but Dave, but David, but David, why did this, why did this podcast not come out in October? when It would have been seasonally <laughs> oh, appropriate. No. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it's a surprise. It's, it's the trick and trick or treat. We tricked them. They expected a Halloween ha, episode. We gave them a Christmas ha, Surprise. Ha- Halloween, the first week of it, November. The answer, Gabe was on vacation. <laughs> I probably could have gotten this out for Halloween if Gabe had, a had been a present and accountable last week. Hey, yeah. blame my in-laws. Anyway, all right. All right, let's move on to Gabe. You have a you have a real you have your favorite for us next, Saccharin. My beautiful, my sweet, sweet joy, Saccharin by Amusa. Now, this story has been controversial. I won't even tell Amus- you all Amusai? the sauce. Uh, Amosai, yes. I won't tell me all the Amosai sauce on this story. This has been controversial. The editor has gotten death threats for including the story inside this compilation. Yeah, but you wrote those. Right, this is... <laughs> Listen, it's a, it was a marketing stunt, all right? It was, it was a multi-layered scheme for marketing, all right? The point being is, this story is deeply controversial amongst certain people. The reason why is because it's written by an absolute illiterate. <laughs> The the story from what I can gather, right? It's like a, it's it's a you it's interpretational. You got it's like a you know the concept of motivated reasoning. Once you spend three times trying to read this and pretending <laughs> oh it doesn't suck after you put so much effort into it, you just kind of like hyperstitionally create something out of thin air. I think that's the greatest thing of this about this story, right? So let me just give you a slight vague plot synopsis of whatever plot there is. So, it takes place in the weeb mecca, Japan. And the protagonist is a monk. And uh, from what I can gather, based on the prose, the gimmick for this one, unlike the stream of consciousness of before, or like third person, basically, it's supposed to sound like shit. And when I say it's supposed to sound like shit, the author, in pure, pure copium, right, of an absolute narc, would say, dude, it's supposed to sound like it's translated, man. It's like it's translated from English to Japanese and back to English again, man. Which is to say he didn't want to bother actually editing the damn thing. So, what we can gather from this deeply schizophrenically <laughs> listen two of these motherfuckers one of these motherfuckers dnf'd it the first time all right i, DNF'd I it too. pounded through we this i fucking wrote notes yeah. wait what i said i, I would and i it. tried again and i did i dnf'd it again I, I i i did i did go back i did go back yeah and i regret it i have nothing but regrets <laughs> you you chose this for me no. No, I, I obviously I hadn't read it when I assigned the stories for the synopses. <laughs> although, although you are the one most deserving of this, so that was clearly hand of God. I'm the one most deserving of this. Yes, I could have gotten sub. I could have done like fucking run of the Protestants. Never, never, never Something. a single time in your life, Spencer, will you get a sub? <laughs> my thing with this one is it i think it does execute the accent like in a in a way but it's one of those things where like you know do you do i want to read someone do a rendition of someone singing happy birthday and farts like someone farting out the happy birthday song in text form 
like how long how long until that gets boring and i think you have like one page of content that you can get through before it's like wow this is like exhausting like how unclear and yeah. just for me what pissed me off like there was a lot of repetitive language like literally the same phrase like the same phrase twice and I'm like this is just like not respectful of my time like I, I get that you're going for a vibe here but I'm not going to like suffer through this when it's not even it's not clear and then when it's repetitive oh can I let, let me can I read some for you yes please for the for the audience oh, dude this is a this is a quote mine go you go first they soon went on a walk <laughs> together because the gangrene-eared boy claimed he was a guest of the temple under the command of his honorable master and mistress who had sent him away to fetch water. When asked why he must found himself all the way in deep in the woods, he only professed that it wasn't up to him to question their specifics. For in the past, when servants began to question themselves, and others too much, they never fared to fare their given tasks. <laughs> the acarite right-heartedry <laughs> joked that he had hoped his veneer training hadn't made their way to the boy's vessel, to which the boy gave a siren refuser. Reich, <laughs> when he was offered to help to carry the thing. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> This that's the only way to actually enjoy this. You need you need the cap cut. Accent, you yeah. need the cap audio experience for this book. Uh yeah, oh. m- uh most dishonorable <laughs> yeah. writing. It was it was it was a low point for me and it also does not help Fucking that this long. is the longest story by a lot is 19 is 19 pages. This is this book's Battle of the Somme. Like <laughs> this is this book's KGB agents from the stars from beyond the stars. Deep oh. Cut. <laughs> oh, that's a low blow. It's better than Holy Hunt, at least. It is not better than Holy Hunt. It is no, not even Holy close Hunt to better than Holy Hunt. Than Holy <laughs> so much better. That is no nope. y'all 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 have like PTSD from Holy Hunt. I understand. I, I yeah, I have PTSD Miles, from this. Cut it. But... Why didn't you cut it, Miles? You don't have to accept everything. Yeah. Listen, he was offered a hand job. He got cum everywhere. Mm. The keyboard. You know how it is. <laughs> he had no choice. <sighs> or I, I will give actually my bet. I'll give you one of the most kind of concise and clearest prose now. I'll give you like the most where it kind of makes sense. All right. This is the quote. <clears throat> Strangely. Being the only one that can save her, he dragged his ever so strangely energized body to her. But as he picked her up, slowly turning the dress and jewelries, she adorned herself into specks of dust, realized to be gold, and her former attire turned gold dust, flew into the fiery spectacle, and came spewing from the infernal maw, a bunny as white as Hokkaido's snow. The rabbit hopped aloof and passed the disastrous scene into a path behind the acolyte and a nude lady to the darkness unfitting its fur yet it noticed itself being left alone so it came back 
acolyte, looked at the acolyte, and threw itself back into the fire. The acolyte screamed, but it was too late, but then came spewing out two more bunnies. One stayed by his side, while the other took the path beforehand. As the other had gone unseen, the one who stayed understanding how glued the acolyte still was, threw itself back into the fire, and the acolyte screamed, and it repeated. The bunnies multiplied in two every time, and the acolyte saw and smelled many charred bunnies. That is the best prose you will get out of this text, my boys and girls. This goddamn word salad. The thing is that, like, even a direct translation from Japanese wouldn't wouldn't sound like this. Like, it's just it's just actually it's comedically bad. Uh, yeah, it's the meta thing. It's it's his, it's his idea of like you know those uh, anime dubs, like the fan dubs, like uh, what little Karibo used to do. For I mean, Yu-Gi-Oh? the thing is that like. You could read, uh, you could read a, and I, I admit to having done this. You could read like a machine translated fucking like manhwa or other sort of like comic, and it would not. It, it's it's not like this. Like it's not even. It's not that bad. And this is this is just like this is just non. It's nonsense, and. It doesn't feel translated at all. Yeah, it's it, it, it's just it's just really bad, um, and I I I feel like it, it should have been. I feel like this one should have been cut, and I don't think I've said that about anything we've <laughs> read so far. So. It's 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 better. It's better than the water. No, it is not even fucking close. You are unhinged. Yes, this is it's unique. This is it's uniquely bad. Delusional takes. This fucking thing is not worse than a completely coherent thematic story. It's entertainingly no, bad. It's it didn't bore no, this, it's not. This no, didn't bore this me. This bored the shit out of me. This this was. Uh, like a random number generator yeah. associated with a fucking. Chat, this was ChatGPT writing. Yes, it's unique. No, this was not ChatGPT. ChatGPT Chat 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 could this. not possibly like could not possibly <laughs> make grammar. something this this <laughs> lacking in. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. It's unique. It's actually technically unique in that sense. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah, all sorts of shit that fucking blows. Is Again, unique. my my farting <laughs> happy birthday in prose, like. You know, it's clever, but do you want to read like 20, 20 pages of that? No, it's it's Occam's Razor. Like, let's be honest, the guy saying, "Oh, it's written bad on purpose" is a cope, right? It's a cope. It doesn't feel like a translation at all, right? He just kind of tweaked it to sound retarded because he probably is retarded, right? Not even in the good sense, the bad sense. But the reason why it's somewhat entertaining is because I, I have the philosophy that as long as you don't bore me, I can at least say something. This says something. This gives me energy, at least. You know, this is this is my rupee dagger. It it stabs me and fills me with my alone life. I I would rather that you that you murder a barmaid than that you endorse this story. Well, too bad because there's a theme in this: the bunnies, the, the the rabbit appears twice. the The theme of a rabbit choking on smoke comes with the girl smoking cigarettes, who I <sighs> who dies. Right there's a, there, there's a thematic through line. And like he has sexual guilt, and one guy gets like a crow, like attacks some guy's dick. Yeah, <laughs> you don't remember yes. that part? It's it's once you actually I'm the imagery. I'm, once I'm you actually, actually I'm actually shocked that you that you 
fucked up basic elements of the completely normal like right the stories that were written completely (laughs) normally but you like got the narrative aspects of the one that's three quarters gibberish and i'm starting i'm starting i'm starting to feel (laughs) i'm starting to feel like this one was just written for you game core (laughs) Because because you're the you're the one who would fail the the schizophrenia test. Hey, jokes on you! I was the one who wrote this bitch. Ah, uh, he was Amasai the whole time. Hey, that's a conflict of interest. What nepotism in a, on a four chan? It's not nepotism no if it's just, yeah, just self It's like <laughs> it's got to be one stage of separation at least. Hey, there's no. Listen, I have split personalities. Like he's my Asian, like uh, what's it called? A fubi, like the demons. You know the X thing where you dream up your waifu. It's like a writing version of that, right? A pulpa, no right? Idea. A pulpa or a pulpy? You know the one, topa, topa. Yes, yes, exactly. And think about it. he he fantasizes about this because he has the dream sequence, right? Where he sees the eye and the flesh, and he sees no mouth. Right, and the uh, the ideas of the masculine and feminine. If you notice the idea of transsexuality, because he mentions the Thailand lady boys, right? So the ideas of sex and kind of being damned for your sex and kind of realizing that physical pleasures, physical pleasures are not worth it. Because there's all the women, all the other than the three teenage girls, women aren't really portrayed, and they end up dying. Right. Other than he himself, and if you notice the reason why it's called Saccharin, because he noticed the little monk boy, the one with the gangled ears, right? Who's a eunuch. He notices how he sings more beautifully than any woman. So, in a lot of ways, the only way you can get any real interpretation of this is as like a kind of a trans story, <laughs> because he literally becomes Saccharin by by getting jumped and having his balls cut off in the end. I have no idea. I, I, Did I filter y'all? Yeah. <laughs> Cap, what do you think? I'm I'm attempting to not. All right. Push the <laughs> I'm pushing the button. <laughs> Gabe seal of approval. Best like yeah. second best story so far. Oh my Buddha lord. Kino. Um easily. Oh, and the and the and the train don't stop. Up, <laughs> I didn't bring enough beers this for is, this. I didn't bring enough beers for this. <laughs> By the way, everyone, go buy a, go buy some Bell's American Wheat Ale Oberon. It should be on sale because it's a great summer beer, and we are, we are moving towards the season of decay, as as things fall apart. Center does not hold. The, Gabe liked Gabe, the West Gabe has liked fallen. saccharin. <laughs> it's over. Gabe has fallen. We're going the coal mines right. still, boys. So we're, we're digging deeper. Next is The Trees by Donovan Hall. Uh, so the, the Trees is a story of a man who is afraid of trees. He starts storing his apartment. He's invited to a, a birthday party uh, with his brother, I believe, um, who lives out in the country. He's He likes living in the city because there's not so many of those damn trees around being loud on every street corner. Anyway, our protagonist, you know, he sees a news report about, you know, trees being violent or, you know, how actually they're not that violent, something like that. And anyway, he then he goes out the country. He's nervous about the trees. Uh, it's just a normal birthday party, basically. His sister's there. They cut cake. But there are all sorts of trees just at the edge of the yeah. lawn. 
Like they're waiting. Oh, and he. They're waiting for you to turn your strike. And he makes a comment like, oh, you know, maybe you should come home with me, sis. Like, don't stay here. She's like, oh, be no problem. He goes home, turns on the news. And what do you know? His 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 brother has his brother also. You forgot his brother has a home defense. (laughs) Yeah, leaning against the wall. Check on which is never used. It is not check on which is never fucking used. Yeah, it's Um, Anton's. Yeah, Anton, friend of the show. Yeah, Uh, chainsaw. Anyway, so that was it. It was really one of those. And Gabe, you kind of alluded to this earlier. This is one that is it's a napkin uh, concept, and then there's just there's never any cleverness to to meet the promise of that idea yeah yeah it basically the idea is haha uh, trees are i guess black people basically (laughs) arborists could be here i hate arborists that's my uh my line (laughs) this one trees could be here a well-seasoned pine oh oh no his sister gets oh yeah (laughs) yep (laughs) <laughs> it gives birth to a dark black pine cone. Well, re- resin burners. Yeah. What will they learn? You call it. <laughs> Paid the charcoal um, toll. Sorry. D- yeah. I, oh. It was just, it was, it was, uh, I, I mean, this was a, this. Uh, yeah. Like, I get it. There was, there was a concept here. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what to oh. say. All these, all these scholars, all these young scholars. <laughs> it could have been done in a really clever way. Um, it could have been funny. I can think of like, yeah, I could think of ideas for it. Our one-liners are more funny than what he did with this. Well, <laughs> literally, two of us have one-liners. Honestly, that are funnier than what we did with this. <laughs> oh come on! I, w- w- when uh, when you see a tree, you gotta flee. Uh, yeah, huh? yeah, yeah. That's good. That's solid. It's better than not. There's nothing here because like you first think. I thought he would do something clever, like oh, he's a schizo. It's the normal world, and he just thinks trees are out to get him. Like okay, that's funny. That can work. But then the other characters start talking about it. his sister. Dark's talking about it. And like okay, is the sister like oh my brother's a schizo? Just play along. No, yeah. But then the fucking chainsaw comes yeah, in. Yeah, no. Every, every, everyone <laughs> right? is oh. actually yeah. He's he's got the cha- he doesn't just have a chainsaw. He's got like a chainsaw. He's got a chainsaw like inside, ready to go. <laughs> yeah, he, he's got the AR fifteen yes. of chainsaws, right? Like a pimped out one, and it's like I'm like okay, let's go. I'm like okay, I'm here for it. I'm here as soon as the chainsaw is like okay, this is real. Oh shit, what is it gonna do? Fuck yeah. all. The, he he bitches about his brother-in-law. The sister cleans up the dishes. There's just filler, micro filler in a fucking short story. She leaves. He comes home and sh- her car got attacked by a pine yep. tree. And uh, I can tell that's from it? the pine needles and the stickiness <laughs> of the sap that this was a a southern yellow pine. <laughs> yeah, it's, it could have been so... Good. It could have been amazing, but he just this is the idea. Like you got you got uh, Vanna Black, right? You got the concept idea. You know the sky just suddenly poof. It just a void. You know, but it actually fulfills the, the circuit. The idea. The idea is actually comes full circle. This guy and again, it's a napkin idea. Okay, killer tree. Kill someone. What do I do next? To the end. Uh, dot 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 dot. That's it. You don't even see a tree attack. How does a tree attack work? I want to see that. A, a lot of other people did a lot more in fucking five pages 
in this book. And I don't know. This one was this one was pretty whatever. It, yeah, I mean, simultaneously too on the nose and 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 just uneventful. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, all right. Push the button. Bzz. Next up. Bzz. Up next, it, yeah, it's Hexen and the Real Witch. Hexen. For, uh, this by Philip by Philip Hamilton. All right. This is probably in the top six stories in here. Just it's not good or anything. It's just very comfy. It's co. It's like a. You know James Gunn's Scooby-Doo movies from early 2000s? This one is actually good, though. Yes! It, it basically is. It, it's like a raunchy Scooby-Doo. Basically, the story is is that this Marilyn Manson knockoff guy named Hexen, uh, he gets popular. It's like a pseudo like early 2000s like shock goth, like uh, Alex Cooper or Marilyn Manson. The early 2000s shtick is popular again on TikTok in this universe. So there's a sense of a gothic revival. So this guy named Hexen, who is from Ohio, he basically gets popular. He it was a nerd, nobody, a hardcore, like cartoonishly hardcore early 2000s, Peter Hitchens atheist, all those Christian fascists and all that kind of shtick. He has a performance. He's talking to a, a reporter. This is All of this takes place past tense. He's in a coffee shop talking to a reporter. He tells him about a time where he actually meets a real witch. And how he meets the real witch is he has a performance, and he's like, oh, where are my real witches at? Right, and a girl uh, raises her hand. She's got great tits. She's got green hair and, like, uh, facial piercings. So he takes her to his place, and he, he, he expects the sex, right? But, of course, he's a poser. He's actually not even that into, he doesn't even know Wicca. Not really. He just kind of knows basic D&D shit about it. His house is basically decorated by fucking Ikea, right? And uh, so he gets the girl into his um, living room. A cat comes along, a stray cat. And it turns out it's a trap, except it's a magical wand instead of a penis. It is an actual real witch, a for real holy deal feel witch. And basically she punishes him sexually. So he she basically roofies him with a potion He's there, naked on the floor. She, she draws a hexagram on the floor, puts the cat there, and says, you are a faker, you're a poser, so either you kill this cat, or I put a curse on you, and your career is completely ruined. So, of course, he ends up killing the cat and saving his career, but he has a kind of a crisis of faith. There's an aspect of this where he kind of, he says, like, he kind of acknowledges that Satan and the wicca and all the witch shit can't exist without god uh, but he still is very anti-christian so he kind of has this weird i don't know confessional to the journalist and then he kind of fucks off and there's a little hint of the witch in the background as a barista and that's the overall main plot synopsis but the reason why it's fun is that it's unique just enough it's campy the sex wasn't that good. I, I, the sex scene, like where he says he's only a little bit excited as he crawls on her with a knife. Of course, obviously, he should be much more visually excited at that. You know what I mean? It's like, my God, I fantasize about this. <laughs> you think it's torture, right? Well, whatever. The point being is that 
it has just enough flavor, just enough of that. Can- it's purposely campy. It's purposely cringe, right? And there's a, just a little hint of something beyond this where he actually questions his faith as an atheist because he just part of the back of his head where he says, how can a saint exist without a god? Of course, he, nothing is done with that, obviously. But just enough to say this is at least a 5.8. pretty anyway. specific. 5.8 out uh, of what? 6 is big. Out of, of 10.3. 10. Jesus. Out of a total possible. The low, the low stakes. I can be argued for a six. For the square root of 111. Like, who, who gives a shit about this cat? It's literally just a random cat. Would you just kill a random yeah, cat? Yeah, happily. Oh, no, but, I hate cats. Just because it just... Oh. <laughs> but he's a dweeb. Like, he gets butt hurt because some kid on TikTok actually killed a cat for real. Yeah, he he's like... Yeah, he's... He's like he's a normie, right? Like he's just a normie who's, uh, who's who's not at all into the weird stuff. It's just it's purely, it's it's purely uh, shtick for him, right? So, um, I mean, I, I thought the story was interesting. Like it, that, it was. I I liked that it was written as a um, as an interview with uh with that you know with the journalist um i mean it was sort of like a uh it's kind of buffy the vampire i mean this isn't this is another one that's this is another one that's like kind of a a rod serling-esque right like it's it this is more another one that's sort of like a, a twilight zone kind of weirdness um where the guy the guy sort of encounters um in encounters the the super real in an otherwise like completely ordinary scenario um and it may as and he he can't even like verify the the reality of it right because the problem with sacrificing the cat is that it's a counterfactual because his career didn't eat shit right he just knows that he had a he just knows that he had a very strange encounter and that she claimed that that killing the cat would prevent the bad outcome right so uh he's kind of coming to he's he's kind of confessing his own like uh you know, turpitude and, and lack of lack of a moral compass. While, uh... what? No, what? You're you're giving a little too extra depth because he straight out says that the, after not killing the cat, he initially doesn't kill the cat. He gets a call from his bandmates. They all got sick. The tour's gonna be canceled. It's only so it's revealed that it's actually true because they all simultaneously get sick and he has a sore throat immediately after. Well, this. yeah, I mean, but there's, I mean the the purported ill effects like he j- literally just said that they're like not feeling so well so the the first sign that there could be any truth to it he immediately he he kills the cat immediately right and but they they pussy out on him like at the detail like it should have been i guess, i don't know i guess it's more pg13 but to have some intense visceralness he, he should have we should have got more detail on him killing the cat, I, I, like him trying to think of how to kill a cat. I disagree. I thought it, I thought it was handled. Really you don't well. think so? Yeah, especially especially when the no. um, it 
especially when the you know at the end i mean the like one of the last lines of that one was uh the journalist asking did you kill the cat and he says i prefer the term sacrifice um and to him it was a sacrifice it really was a sacrifice like he did not want to um he didn't want to do it right but but he's finally an opposer got and he had a payoff from the sacrifice like it was a it was a transaction so there was a cost for him to do that so yeah i mean i don't know i mean i i liked this one i i definitely think it's more than a rounding up to six out of ten uh yeah, I, it's I cozy. More of a I, like, I, I also 10. like it. It's it's solid. Um, nothing terribly, nothing really bad, but just yeah, the, the low stakes for me. Like yeah, I think it, showing the cat being killed actually would have added something, or maybe wouldn't have fit the PG vibe. But if it's in the again, it's a weird tales thing. Like if are we going for something more disturbing or extreme, or is this supposed to be like a lighthearted thing? I don't know. Maybe it's just an expectations thing because of the, of the context of where the story is. But I wanted something. Yeah, you you could have played it comically. Yeah. Like he's never actually killed an animal before, so he doesn't know how to approach it. Like it hisses at him yeah. and he drops a knife or something. Like you could have played it for just fun. Attempt just fucking up killing a cat for fourteen pages. I, I know some pretty good <laughs> fucked up animal death stories. My buddy has a dad who's like a, a farmer, and <laughs> and he um. He's like he's like a sweetheart guy, and so he's really bad at killing things. And so like one time he uh he like killed a a cat that was like dying by like covering its face with a wet towel <laughs> and basically waterboarding it to death. <laughs> it was the most fucked up story. <laughs> waterboarded a yeah, cat. Yeah, like to he death. like there was something where like part part of the cat's brain was showing. Like it was in really That's bad horrible. shape. Like yeah, and so they killed it that way. <laughs> Should have just poured. Should have just poured the water into the skull yeah. and just <laughs> killed it with the water. Killed it with the water That'd pressure. Would have been yeah. Probably been unconscious yeah. immediately. Man, I feel so bad about this. Let me waterboard the motherfucker. Uh, all right. I, uh, yeah. And that man was a protagonist of I Waterbrow Clowns yeah. for a Living. All right. All right. So portrait of Saint portraits of Saint Kevin's. So this is um, a story about um, about an abandoned asylum, a real place. This is this is a not this is a uh, based on a true story. So St. Kevin's Asylum is a real a real building that overlooks the city of Cork in uh, in Ireland, and um, many of the events referenced in this do in fact. Uh, have in fact happened. It, you know, it, it references a fire at one point. There was a somewhat, you know, at least in Ireland, famous fire in St. Kevin's um, because the building was um, is so uh, massive. Anyway, so it this is a bunch of uh, vignettes about this building, um, and so it goes goes through a few different things. Um, sort of the experience of having this this old structure on the skyline uh, because it's perched on a hill over the town. The town's sort of built built onto in, in onto a oh, onto a valley really, and um, 
and so the the building kind of looks down over the rest of the town and when it you know fell into disuse and then when it was and then when it was burned um it's sort of like this this glowering edifice <laughs> over over all of these people and you know there are s- stories of you know rats in the walls and kids daring people to go into this into this abandoned building um i mean i i like it it's i'm kind of a i'm kind of an architectural and and built environment nerd so um the way that this was written actually made me uh i did not know that saint kevin's was a real place i had i had no idea what it was before i read this story but the way that it was written made me you know made me google it and absolutely real location so i would be surprised if some of these stories especially the ones about you know challenging challenging a boy to go in alone um would not be uh you know auto it would not be autobiographical um in in a certain in a certain sense um uh i like this i thought i thought it was comfy um and uh it is it is i have similar feelings about certain buildings in my town which i will not disclose <laughs> for fear of doxing myself for fear of the guy who wrote um uh, saccharin for the death threats to come to you come find me i'm a sigh you will uh, you will find yourself a grave man <laughs> yeah you would not yeah. be buried shinto no, I agree with you. Out of all the stories that are played straight, this is actually kind of perfect, and in the sense of it actually pulls off what it wants to do. Because all the almost all the comical stories, except the other stories we'll get to, uh, that play for laughs fall flat. So that out of all the slog before this, basically before this, this is extremely refreshing. Um, in terms of the overall evocation evocations this quote should get you by in terms of what you want to get out of this so the old man dies of a needle in his arm and the last face he sees is that of a bloated rat watching him from the far corner of what is left of the room he does not hear the building grieve he does not know how saint kevin's wishes it could take him in his arms and bear him to paradise he does not know that he dies in the presence of a friend who loves him more dearly than has ever loved anyone and why should it not they are alike. This man came into the world screaming and formless in the full, unbrighted potential of a newborn life. He had not asked for what he was given. These rooms had not asked to serve as prisons for the sick, and these windows had not asked to ring with cries of fear and anguish. And now the two of them, the old man and the building that cradles him in his death, will meet the same end, abandoned and decrepit. Mm-hmm. They'll be food for the rats. That is yeah. generally a banger. Yeah, banger for sure. The the mirroring the decay of the building with the decay of of the man, and you know the the man a a failed uh, a failed member of this society that's that's allowed both of them to fall into ruin. Like I like this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I and the contrast between a newborn and cradle was it was a, that's a yeah. great piece of prose. Um, this one, if I did have to, if I did have to, like knock it down a little i i still don't feel you know i i guess i don't feel like the the theme is that coherent is is that 
it, sorry, I, I guess I don't feel like the theme is that it's a little on aimless. Point That's it, with, it reminds me of... with well, well, with with tales of, oh, of the unreal. Oh, oh, oh. I like with the con with the concept. Like and this is and and in especially in this case that is in no way knocking the story because I think that a more I think I think this could have and probably should have been in a more literary anthology. Um but but I did I did like it on its own merits um quite a bit. So uh but no, I mean I, I like I like this one. Um, and, uh, and I, I do think, I do think it does kind of have the, maybe not, maybe not haunted by actual ghosts, but, uh, haunted a, 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 a building haunted rather than by geists, uh, by zeitgeists. <laughs> like it's, you know, right. um, okay. So the next story is, uh, the sub from, or Lixarian. Um So this is a story uh, in which, uh, so it's uh, told in a, um, I guess it would be, yeah, for it's it's first person sort of, but it's first first person recounting a, a story that was told to him. So. Um, uh, basically, this this guy and his brother are living together. They're moving. Uh, the younger brother's moving out, and um, he asks his brother to tell him a story. So his brother tells him a story about the apartment before um, before he moved in. And at one point, he had a friend staying with him, who had his his girlfriend move in, and this girl was um, was very. Uh, very strange uh and the the buddy has to go on a trip so it's just the girl and the 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 brother who are in the uh who are in the apartment at the time and so she starts uh in the in the nights she starts making some absolutely wild um uh, some some absolutely wild sexual sounds are coming from this room, and brother knows that his friend is gone, so it's just this girl and presumably a different guy in there. So, because there are there's a there is a male voice and her own voice, and the things that are being said are um, are unbelievably vulgar, like it's just stuff that. Um, you know, it's not revealed at this point in the story what's what's being said, but it is just described as uh, as uh, let's see, quote some pretty reprehensible shit. So the brother bursts <laughs> into the room. There's nobody else there, <laughs> and he concludes uh, uh, that not not like the the guy who is in there is is not not in there at all, um, but. Uh, uh, so she must have been doing both voices. So, um, so she, so she's standing there, and eventually he he becomes like kind of um, like mesmerized by by this woman because she's like 
She's described as pretty, but she has an overwhelming bush. Like an unbelievably huge uh, bush. Like the a bush so large and vast that it would belongs in a Lewis <laughs> Wollston story. So um, Imagine so the smell. I will not. <laughs> I am. And um so he uh okay. no, I was trying to find the quote, sorry. Um There are some amazing so quotes in this. He says, I was disgusted by her for maybe ten seconds, but then I wasn't moving. I became totally fascinated by her weird looking bush. I couldn't leave the room. Something was keeping me there and I and it felt like it was hiding in her pubes like a magnet or something. I didn't even think about it. I just pointed between her legs and I said to her, I think there's someone hiding in there. She stopped yelling because I had burst into the room and I got onto the bed. She told me there were people in there, but it didn't make it any of my business. She covered herself with her shirt. It wasn't like, it wasn't like a sexual moment at that point. I wasn't even aroused necessarily, but I begged her to let me see the people. I felt drunk she laid down and i kept begging and this is where my memory gets really foggy at some point she started running her fingers through my hair and after this weird back and forth she finally agreed to show me she pulled up the edge of her shirt and immediately it it sucked me in the individual hairs were moving around and vibrating and emitting this soft almost metallic sounding melody I put my face right into, so her crotch filled up my whole vision. She reached down and with two fingers, she spread open her labia. And on her inner labia, I saw something that looked like a tattoo. But then I realized it was moving. It was the silhouette of a man driving a motorcycle. It kind of looked like a cartoon, but or an overexposed black and white movie on her skin or something. And there were other figures too, little people moving around like, like real people. And she said they are real people. And when she touches herself, they show up. And so, <laughs> and so they like, <laughs> and so they have, and so they have sex, and um, the music continues being made by this by this bush, and he ends up hearing someone behind him um and it is and he can see this guy in his peripheral in his peripheral vision and he's still in this insane trance um and uh they started saying those you know the the reprehensible shit and and that stuff was that um he smells his cologne right. too. They were saying they were cursing the entire human race. She was saying they shouldn't be allowed to die until they're served as slaves to slaves, slaves to lower slaves. Um and <laughs> and it's like the most <laughs> like intensely in the most intensely or I mean, I, I given some time I could probably think of something, but it's fairly degrading. So, um so after that they they do they they continue their their tryst actually but she's at that point shaved 
Um, and eventually she, <coughs> um, she accuses him of taking advantage of her, not necessarily rape, but uh, she said that she he knew about her, con- he was taking advantage of her condition, and her condition was that she's a sub. And nothing weird ever happened again. Nothing, the, like the, the people and the voices and the other man never happened again. Um, it was, uh, uh, <laughs> and the brother the younger brother who to uh who who is recounting this story being told to him had been staying in that room and his older brother had never disclosed to him that this uh this strange scenario had had taken place there um during that during that whole time period and they never spoke of it again <laughs> Yeah, absolute Kino pussy core. What zero pussy? No, what what too much yeah. pussy does to motherfucker? You know, I really like the story. Oh, I'll bet you did. Because <sighs> when you think about it, no, not for the reasons you think. It's not for goon reasons. This is not for goon to gooner. This is for Gabe the okay. Catholic. This is actually a really good track calf story. All right, I'm listening. I'm 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 here for this I think analysis. It's a story about a girl's body count. I mean, he made the, the the dialogue in the first thing name drops it basically, right? He said, "Well, he um, uh, didn't he drive a two thousand two? He did," said my brother. Which funny story, by the way. He actually wrecked it two months ago, going over the pass. He almost died, but that's neither here nor there. Did you happen to remember what religion he was? Christian, I guess. Specifically, though, Catholic. Exactly right, he said, sitting back in his chair. Now, that's not exactly important to the events of the story I'm about to tell you, but just think about all the things you tend to associate with Catholics. I feel like add something, knowing Doug was a papist. Hmm. So he he basically just slams this in your face. And by the way, you, you didn't mention this. The opening dialogue is very great, very snappy. The pacing mm. of this, the three-cigarette story structure, the dialogue between I, two I brothers do like, is very I do like good. the idea it, of it, the three-cigarette story. Like, I asked my brother to tell me a three-cigarette story. Mm-hmm. This is this is the type of thing like you know I'm a little bit of a sucker for this type of thing and I, I mentioned this with you know when we talked about when we talked about um, Lewis Wollstone's The Last Free Man and I, I think I've mentioned this um, you know I, I I mentioned this when we talked about the third story in Millennium but these sort of um, these sort of like uh, low class this low class sort of method of of couching a story the bar in story like, the, like yeah the like the like a lower middle a lower middle class or lower class method of 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 settling into a story um i find to be um i f- i find to be pretty appealing actually it slips you right in. Yeah, yeah. It it, it you just slip right into it. And I mean, I realize that, that you know, uh, maybe maybe this is a generational thing because I grew up watching Clerks or something like that. When you you just have like, oh, when you I just have clerks. like a dialogue heavy sort of meandering, um, like l- low class type thing like that. It's a little bit like what this is, right? You could definitely imagine this being like retold in a black and white film in that way. You know what I mean? So 
back when Kevin Smith was good, R- R- who also R- deals with themes R- of R- Catholicism. R.I.P. Kevin Smith. He had, he had one really good and like three decent movies in him, and a bunch of shit. Mallrats was good. I like yeah, Mallrats. That's one of the three pretty decent ones. Well, he also dealt with Catholicism. Like the weed got to him. Like, but the the thing what I'm trying to say here is. Is that it has this low class thing, right? The, the dialogue it starts right off with a dialogue, boom, 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 right? It, it's it's believable. You you slip right into the world. Two brothers having a cigarette. Listen, dude, three cigarette story. Tell me and get the fuck out, right? Because he, he even says this is the last cigarette. You better put a bow on the story, right? It's actually paced and constructed beautifully. The pacing on this is perfect. Yeah. And when you and you could reread this twice. I re- this is one of the ones I actually did reread to, like two or three times. That wasn't saccharin, right? And uh, it deals with similar themes to saccharin to a certain degree. I actually do think when you, when the the only dialogue the woman says, if you notice the fucked up thing she says, you know, oh they're slaves. Worse than that, like slaves to slaves. It's this uh, like a top of like toxic symbiotic relationships. She's talking about sex. She's talking about like um, what's it called? Not hedonism. Um, lust, right? Because she doesn't talk about it. She's just like, I won't tell him if you don't, right? And so there's this mm. weird sense of people kind of just suffering, sexual suffering, right? Yeah. Right? Because he, he drops it. It's kind of obvious. He name drops. He, he basically tells the reader. He tells the reader, hey, I name drop Catholics, specifically Catholics. Please remember this. Please don't, please make sure to bring your copy of St. Augustine's Confessions while reading this story. Yeah. Right? It's, it's, I'm not saying right. in a bad way, by the way. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'd rather be hit by, in the face by a good theme than nothing at all. This is, fantastically constructed it's literally a whore it's magical yeah. realism well, she's about she's a girl the sub him. and then he's the sub he's the slave to the slave to her uh literally in the story when he loses control but that where the pussy magic yeah. hits um yeah the writing in this one's just outstanding this, this this is probably one of my first yeah because you don't understand the sub thing because she describes herself as a sub and you get you get confused at first like how is she the sub in this situation but then you realize the whole sub is a slave of a slave. Like, she doesn't even necessarily control it. They're very awkward about it afterwards. It's just kind of like a thing that happens. She gets, almost gets possessed. It gets possessed by her own pussy magic. It's, it's literally just a sexual slavery all the way down. And that's why he says, I never want to have sex again, because I always feel like someone's right behind me. You know, I'm just going to be some other guy. It's the incel meme, like the incel posters, right? There, there's always some like other guy. The ladder in the meme, of dicks. Or the guy who like, the bouquet. Yeah. Yes, it's 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 the mm-hmm. rosy chain of dicks. It's 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 a non-crass version of this, and I think that's actually I do think that's actually the point of this story, right? It's a very sad story because it's it 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 ends with not a whimper, but a very like just kind of his brother almost believes it, but kind of bullshit. So there's very awkward. You can see mm-hmm. the awkward air between them, and he never brings it up again. It's so this weird slight moment of a revelation about sex. This big, this objectively big deal, right? He doesn't even know this is true or not. This is a vision, whatever. It just, it, his sexuality, his eros is permanently tainted by this. And not in a grandiose way. Just, it's permanently scarred, but no one sees the scar. And no one ever talks about it ever again. Mm -hmm. It just ends perfectly. Everything about this story, like, basically, the second half of this collection is great. This is very, this is a backloaded collection. This story, Kevin, Mouths, like this is probably top three, 
This is like I would probably say this is like third. That might be something to put in, in at terms the of end, actually getting the point like across. What our if someone picks up a free copy of this, like what's what's like the three to read, right? Like I don't know, just something to keep in mind. Let's let's talk yeah. about the end. Um because I I think I know mine. Uh, I suspect they're probably similar. Okay. Uh good. Bzz. That's the pussy story. Pussy story done. <laughs> Gabe, I waterboard cl- cl- I waterboard right, clouds for a living. <laughs> now waterboard clowns for a living. This one is the trees, but good. It's the shame stick. It's the same LOL so crazy situation, but it actually pulls it off. He actually does something with it to a certain degree and also is a better writer. So this excerpt is all you need to know about this What's story. the Who's the writer, opening Gabe? Uh, Flower Shop. Yes, Flower Shop. Flower Shop, whoever the fuck you are, you're actually a really good writer. I like you. I, but don't name drop your title, please, in the story. I'm tired of that. But anyway. <clears throat> It has to be a scientific law, peer-reviewed, shined and waxed, that nobody likes their job. Me, personally, I'm pretty sure I hate my job more than anyone on this planet, dead or alive throughout history. Round it up to anyone in the whole solar system. Mole man underground, colonists on the moon, Martians at home, vacationing on Pluto, wherever the hell it is on Planet X and Filipinos, if they actually worked. God damn it, do I hate my job. You're thinking it can't be worse than this bullshit you put up work. Look, I'm sure it's rough, but I waterboard clowns for a living. That's the hook line. And it, just like the previous um, story, it, the dialogue, the tone, the voice just sucks you right in. You know this character right from the jump. You have a hook. You have a POV. It is beautiful. It sucks you right in. The protagonist, as he says, he waterboards clowns for a living. And basically, this is a day in the life of a clown torturer. He waterboards a clown, literally in this. And he just describes it. It's very black humor. It's a deeply black, cynical humor. He's basically treating like a nine-to-five job. You know, he's counting down the minutes between breaths he's allowing him to take. Because his job's not to kill him. It's just to torture him. He finds him in his man trap. They have a man trap for some reason. They take him to a basement. No, it, it's like a oddly Kafka-esque. Well, the, well the, the man trap's for the clowns. Yeah, yeah, the man trap is for the clowns. But there's no reason for it. Other than there's a client... That videotapes it, apparently. But that's it's actually kind of Kafka-esque. It's a funny version of the penal colony in an odd way. Uh, other than without about the actual death or meaning, right? It's a cough it's a B-side Kafka story. But a guy writing a B-side Kafka story well is actually like fantastic. <laughs> right? Other than the name drop. Don't name drop your fucking titles in the main text, please. Um, but it's actually very funny. Especially not this many times. I think it's like 30, Worth. 30 times he says it. That's an exaggeration. It's a lot. Yeah, it, it it doesn't ruin the story, but it's like, okay, you're you're pushing the my you know, my SNL sketch thing. Like you're you're becoming a cringe parody of what you're trying to already paradise. You know, but he he straddles the border just enough to where it actually maintains the humor. Um Oh yeah, so he straddles the, the humor just enough because he describes it. It's very, it's very Tarantino. It, it, graphic violence. You literally see this poor guy. The makeup falls off his face. He's vomiting, and you know he takes a smoke break. With, you know, the Filipinos out back are fucking taking a smoke break. He he can't have enough of this shit. He's a blue collar goon. He's a blue collar goon. He's, he talks like Joe Rogan, right? The 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 Brooklyn accent, right? So he basically just goes through his day 
tortures a clown, sends him the fuck aware. Where does he send him to? No one knows. He doesn't care. The boss man tells him to send him back into the man trap, or the clown trap, as he says. He, he takes it to the boss. He clocks out for the day. He doesn't even know his co-worker. They never speak to each other. He even says, we never speak to each other, and we never will. And he has fantasy. He fantasizes about maybe honking his nose, playing around, joking. Nothing. It's just pure boredom. It's mundane. He goes out. He goes out afterwards to a cafe. He sees a beautiful street performer, a girl who is not a clown but a jester. He has a whole dialogue riff about technically she's not a clown, and it has nothing to do with my job. Okay, she's just attractive, right? Do I talk to her? No, I fantasize her about talking to me. But you know what? A man has simple pleasures, all right? So I have my cig, I got my sandwich, I look at her, and I have a horrible life. Because... I want to work clowns for a living. Punchline. Clowns for a living. That's the horror. That's the cringe. It, it's I, horrible I want to push back a little right? bit. I do feel like he's... It veers a little bit towards trees in terms of... Like, I wish he had pulled some honk some noses or something in terms of like exploring the silliness of the concept some more i guess maybe that's breaking the, the whole conceit of it if to your point it, yeah the kafka ask it's it's got to be played it's this has to this has to be yeah, played straight i don't know but, like it's he he doesn't he has to do he has to do a horrible thing like he has to do this like like absolutely horrible thing that he doesn't believe in that he has absolutely no convictions related mm-hmm. to um, that he doesn't understand the purpose of around people who are completely alien to him. He is totally disconnected, alienated, and, and resentful of absolutely every aspect of this. So, yeah. But then the it's... tone, <laughs> if you're going to keep repeating the, 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 the line, I waterboard, waterboard clowns for a living, obviously that's meant to be humorous as like a punchline. Like there's a humorous angle to that line. Yeah, yeah. And so there's like this contradiction of this humorous punchline repeated every five paragraphs to, yeah, the, the mundane, repetitive, Kafkaesque, blah, blah, blah. Like, oh, God, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, the, I'm the cockroach clown torture man. Like, like, I felt like I there was a little, like, maybe yeah, trimming out the repetitive of that, the punchline would have reduced it. But with it in, I was like, okay, so it's like, there's a comedy undercurrent to this. And so it's like, then why are we not, like, exploring it a little bit more in the thing? I don't know. That's that's my take. I, I respect your guys' point of view that it would detract from the more, um, like, I guess, grim aspect of it. Yeah, I, I think I think, you know... Where are the clowns going? Who's paying for the clowns? Like, where you know what's what's Aragorn's tax policy? Like, I, it's not the no, point. No, no, I mean, right? Like, uh, why does Gregory turn to Le Bug? Yeah, I, I just mean something like more inventive right. torture right. or something, just to, to to play up to that that humor element. If the humor element is is included, like, I feel like it should have been dived into more, or should have been cut back. It's just a little bit of a slight, like, an awkward balance. Again, I feel like I come across as more negative than I feel because I did like this one as well. Well, well dude, he shares your criticism. He thinks like, man, I, I really want to honk his nose. Yeah, he's like, he's or teasing like, me. About the, what's with the chicken? <laughs> yeah. 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 He's like, I should ask, what's with the chicken, man? What's with the rubber chicken? Yeah. <laughs> right? He, he fantasizes about doing funny shit with a clown, but he yeah. doesn't bother. Right? He's just bored. He's com- he compares it to McDonald's. <laughs> 
right? And uh, the voice, the, 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 I understand your complaints with this because I can think of like a Honda. Like, yet again, technically speaking, in terms of inventedness with clowns, um, the previous story, the, the Skyless story, the silver lining story. I, I love the opening line of that story. Um, where mm-hmm. the clown, his balloons pop. That's actually technically more clown humor related yeah. than this. <laughs> Unintentionally. In terms of clown humor. But he's not going for that. The protagonist himself is bored of this. He knows it's ridiculous. Hey, I, I want to board clowns for a living. You know what I mean? He's like, it's ridiculous. It's so cringe. I spent eight hours a day here. <laughs> he even says it. like, uh, I The easiest job there is, and I fucking hate it. Mm. Eight hours of this. It's fucking torture. <laughs> You know, it's it's pure black comedy. And uh, the voice carries it unlike the trees. The trees are, one, too short. B, very vague. Vague, not... This yeah. is vague because we don't know anything. It's intentionally vague. But there's parameters. There's order of the structure. This is his job. I waterboard clowns for a living. I spent eight hours waterboarding this clown. I send them off. With the trees? We don't know the rules of the trees. The bitch just dies in the end. We don't even see the attack. It's... It, this is like a gas chamber. This the uh, the tree is gaseous. <laughs> it just floats okay. in the air. There's no parameters. He's in this '80s house. Mm. He describes an '80s house with the shag carpeting, like it's actually contained. The structure and the voice binds the gaseous, very vagueness of this world and gives it some mm. concrete reality. It gives it stability. No, no, I, That's and I agree with that. I just, I do, I still, I feel like there's a tension between the humor and the grimness that's not like you need i think that more of a lane should have been picked but um it's fine if we we don't agree on that i i still uh yeah i enjoyed it um that's a valid take anything else on this one Uh, i don't yeah yeah. yeah. i mean i don't i don't don't really i mean i i see why you might draw a a parallel between this one and the trees but i I mean i I, but i do disagree (laughs) with it i would say um, I I, I don't really. I mean, I don't see the the parallel here. I mean, I realize that it's got this like also random, um, conceptual sort of twist to it. But the trees is supposed to be like a, a fairly hackneyed allegory, and this is played for for like the for the implausibility. Like it's played for the fact that it's so so meaningless. Well, yeah, but it's it, it's a gimmick actually done well. The tree is a gimmick done, but that's basically my main point. It's a napkin idea. Uh okay. Anyway, I I think I think we we, we agree we, that this yeah, one's solid. solid. We've beaten this clown to death. Um, we really fucked this. <laughs> a solid seven. Him, um, like a chicken or a cat or whatever the fuck it was. We 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 really watered his flower. But um bum. The flower Bzz. thing, because they're just uh, mixed yeah. up. Yeah. But he's hitting that. He's hitting the buzzer. <laughs> he's slamming the buzzer. Uh, at the Marlins Bike by Miles McNaughty Pants tells the story of a guy named Hanson, uh, who him, his wife, his son. They're at a uh, at a lake. Uh, the sun is just care carefree, diving in the water, disappearing for minutes at a time. As him and his wife are are resting on the shore, and um, <clears throat> and no, basically, you know, it sort of has this beat uh, like a lake lake terror kind of vibe, where the so the son finds a marlin spike in the water, shows it to his dad, his dad, you know, explains what a marlin spike is. Then, flash to later, 
Mr. Hansen goes to the bar to get shit faced, <laughs> try and chat up the bartender. He's he is basically that guy at the bar who like just go, come goes solo, gets drunk, and uh, starts probably just making a scene most of the time. And uh, you know while he's drinking and just getting shit faced, you know, kid and wife, wife and kid at home, uh, the memory comes flooding back from seeing this Marlin spike that I believe had his initials on it, and the memory is of the night him and his a uh, good friend many years ago went out and this friend i'm just gonna go out and i'm gonna go out and say it hansen did nothing wrong so his friend starts talking about how he he fucks <laughs> and like bucks and fucks and chucks uh, this, this chick that hansen used to date and they broke up and then him he got with and just would not shut the fuck up about how lucky he was to be with her and, and how, you know, what bright their future was and how Hanson was a retard for ever letting her slip through his fingers. And Hans is just like, all right, you know what? I'm taking matters into my own hands. Gets the guy shit faced, you know, serves him a couple drinks too many. Violate the bro code, get yeah. boat murdered. <laughs> I approve Incel rage. Incel rage. And then just beats him in the back of the head with a Marlin spike, which I had to Google just to see what it looks like. It look, doesn't look like something you want to get hit in the head with. Um, nice little metal rod. Um, like a flat side to it. So just beats the guy to death, his eyeball pops out, and then like he's like, Marlin. oh fuck, I gotta dispose of the body, and you know, he has a panic attack resolves to fix it and then you know bag the chick at the end of the day we skip back ahead hansen is leaving the bar basically getting pushed out by the bartender like like please go home dude um drives home drunk i think he like thinks he sees someone in the parking lot he gets spooked drives home the memory of this you know night is kind of still playing in his head and haunting him he gets home and his son has been kidnapped there's an eyeball on the floor and him and the wife are like freaking freaking out the the, the revenge of, of, a, of a vengeful spirit of his friend has has come and saw it's it's uh it's revenge and um this one was this one was pretty good it was um my big pure pulpy goodness yeah it was pure pulpy goodness like ghost uh ghost story kind of vibes my big complaint was just that it was so straightforward like i knew as soon as i got started talking on the boat like everything that would happen after pretty much um but it was but it was still well done and and um and it was and it just it cracked me up uh like the build up for hansen to murder him because it was like so it, i don't know maybe this is my insult rage but i was like it's so justified why, like why wouldn't you kill this dude he's literally me for real for real yeah give me one reason why you wouldn't beat this guy in the back of the head it was uh yeah i mean it was it was pretty pretty straight pretty straightforward it was lacking lacking subtlety yeah. the dialogue uh, there like i, he, I would i would he should have he should have been more human like he was just like that's why i was joking that he was justified because he was just such a douche like literally he would not shut the fuck up um i understand yeah. it's through hansen's perspective but even so like it made Hanson look relatable in a way I don't think he should have should have looked. It should have, yeah, it should have been a bit more of a sin <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to have a to have a, a revenant come back and steal your son. So, yeah, David continues his streak of uh, being literally mean yeah, to uh, red flag characters uh, on this podcast. I, 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 of course, felt nothing. <laughs> uh, uh, this man was not literally me. 
He he doesn't have the Spinglerian Geist. Or no, sorry, yeah. the Spencerian. The Spencerian. He's too, uh, too one eyed for, for you. One, yes. <laughs> yes, he got Longhouse. This is a story. This is a haunted Longhouse story. Yeah. Uh, I agree with y'all that it's base. It's paint by the numbers. It's pure. It's a love letter to pulp. Miles loves his pulp. Um, I can't. I'm comparing this. I know I shouldn't, but comparing to his other writing, this was solid. I liked it. There was actually some stakes here, and compared to the other one, I thought it was a solid. Out of all the pastiche, this one was executed. Out of the pulp mm. ones, because there's a schizophrenic identity with this. You got the pulp ones, Ruby Dagger. Water bitch, um, yeah. the the pulp Mo- ones. moist I'll, hose. All the pulp ones is the best. Got lots of moist hose in this book. <laughs> no, the moist muffin, oh, labia god, of the lake. Damn it! Imagine the smell of that. <laughs> Good god. Uh, the coochie canal. Dead men for days. Um, <laughs> the pussy uh, pond. It was that. It was that. It was that. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the uh, you're right though. The, this one was uh, Miles My- wrote the cover story for uh, Tales One, which was um, Twin Candles, and this one's about a, a million times better than that one. I fucking yeah. hated that one. As 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 anyone who has listened to our preview for Unreal Tales Two can it also already knows I fucking hated that story. So. <laughs> You got I didn't filtered. Even you got get filtered. slightly fucking filtered. It was just not good. <laughs> the opening was great, and the ending right. was the buildup with the, the stick ship. Be- there was the beginning, there. middle, and end were bad, but I'm we're not reviewing the, that the book. Buzzer again. <laughs> so. bzz, 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 bzz. Yeah. Cap. Another actually another double cap feature. No, good there's pulp, no more Gabe. Pulp. Gabe, you're retired for the night. <laughs> no more Gabe. Thank fucking god. No, we can go with Stampede. I liked. I re- really liked Pro- uh, Stampede of the Protestants. It's okay. the second Greg story. So Stampede of the Protestants uh, by Zulu, another lit self-published author, Alitzba, um, is uh, is a story about a, a about Greg, a guy with no qualities. Um, so he's he, Greg is just a Greg is just a schlub. And uh, at one at one point, he discovers that in the laundry room of his apartment, which nice apartment to have a laundry room, um, there is a tiny door, uh, and inside of that door is a convenience store. So this convenience store door has just appeared, um, unbeknownst uh, unbeknownst to him, is has no no way of knowing when it occurred, but apparently recently. Um, in his laundry room, he discovers soon that that no one is there. Um, it is closed. The hours were listed, um, and um, in the morning, um, in in the morning when the hours are are supposed to start, it was uh, it was not open. So his neighbor shows up, uh, or he goes he goes to. Uh, talk to his neighbor on the other side of the wall. He asks his neighbor if if his neighbor also has a convenience store, and it turns out that uh, his neighbor has. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, he has a, a pizza, pizza place. place. Yeah, that's right. He has a little pizza parlor. So, um, as it turns out, everybody in every residential home uh, 
there's now a a a small small business uh, that is never open and where the doors don't open, um, and it's in fact difficult to uh, the, the doors are in fact impervious. Um, it, it's this it's this massive mystery. <laughs> And there's a there's paranoia about employees walking into your home to try to open these businesses, but but no one has has since seen them. Um, so CERN, high energy high energy particle research uh, organization in Europe, um, has uh, uh, released a statement saying that the doors are um you can't get around them everything's impervious the wall around them is impervious they can't be approached from the other side and they resist all destruction (laughs) um so it's just it just ends up being this um this like uh, unknown um unknown mystery so greg (laughs) goes from having like very few internal qualities to starting um to starting to have this like bizarre epiphany from he goes zero to a hundred almost immediately and so he goes through this there's this reverse enlightenment basically after so he he flips the uh he flips the circuit breaker in his laundry room which causes the lights in the uh, which causes the lights in the convenience store to come on finally. And so this triggers a, a reverse enlightenment. So he says he went back to delusions of reference. What if it were not himself which had gone crazy, but reality? The only way to be certain would be to challenge the universe's absurd belief that, that mysterious laundry room businesses could or should exist. How could he answer this challenge with one of his own? It needed to be sharp and sudden, like how you would prick one person's toe to see if they were faking unconsciousness. The store represented commerce, and now there was light, which is what had triggered this epiphany. Greg needed to find the opposite of commerce, the opposite of commerce that was brought to him by the light. Religion. Was he religious? He could have easily chosen a dozen different sects into which to throw his newfound desire of faith, but instead he reverted back to a childhood memory. His parents had never taken him to church, but they had talked about going with their parents, Baptist. He was a Baptist. Where was the dividing line? Commerce was unnatural but beneficial. Religion was natural but, according to the current mainstream opinion, harmful. He began to inventory his life, putting things into natural and unnatural categories. Soda? Harmful. Unnatural? Obviously, but he could never return to his job again. The apartment was also the result of commerce and therefore unnatural. He would have to leave. The store could have it. His car would be staying behind, and he didn't care enough to wonder if the few possessions he owned, the ones which held any sentimental value, could qualify as natural. In fact, he was beginning to realize that with a bit of mental effort, he could make anything and everything seem natural. And so he uh, uh, just he goes outside, and he just begins walking, and then he begins running, and then he begins to disrobe because he finds his clothes unnatural. And people started, um, and he started yelling, I'm Baptist, out as he's running naked down the middle of the street. 
and people start to follow him <laughs> eventually. Um, and so he has this whole crowd shouting Baptist over and over until one guy, co- until an- one guy comes up, says Lutheran, which causes a, uh, which causes a, uh, a power struggle. So it's, uh, let's see. Let's see. Lutheran spat the man angrily. Greg stopped walking. The crowd stopped alongside him. Greg did not know the difference between Lutheranism and baptism. In fact, he would have guessed that they were defined more by their similarities. It wasn't anything the young man said so much as his tone, which upset Greg and brought him to a halt. They'd had a good thing going here. And then this stranger had made a, point, a pointed effort to ruin it. No doubt a good Lutheran believed in keeping the peace, and yet this stranger had asserted his Lutheranism for no other visible purpose than to upset everyone for the purpose of attention. He was sacrificing the sacred tenets of Lutheranism for his own personal advancement. Hypocrisy! And yet, whispers were spreading through the crowd. <laughs> Lutheran? Lutheran. Lutheran! At any moment now, they would all be st- saying it, and for all anyone could tell, Lutheranism was nothing more than a concerted attempt to enrage Baptists. The impulsive Baptist jogging pack was bound to descend into calculated Lutheran chaos. The crowd was eyeing Greg. There was no precedent for challenges. And so, seized by a sudden impulse and aware that his efforts could never meet any success, Greg simply shrugged and said, Lutheran. And that's the end. Uh, <laughs> I. It's a good ending. I, I like this. Story. I admit that I do not really get the transition <laughs> uh, between the... Uh, small bi- the between the laundry room small businesses and the uh, and what and the point of the uh, of the religious jogging pack <laughs> I did find it very yeah, entertaining. it was a wild image um, <laughs> yeah Make it, it was very short film. Yeah. I would watch it in a minute dude you imagine with the ball slapping oh, his thighs I love that run. oh god oh, it sounds so painful <laughs> it was so great it was great yeah. I don't know. Maybe it was like the rejection of of uh, reason, and so he's like everyone's devolving into this sort of impassioned group. I don't know, not consciousness, but like more primitive mindset. Well, I have two, mm-hmm. I two thoughts about this, and it's both. I I like the caps quote was also about the uh, the the cult of uh, reference. So the straight, the quick and straight version is. It's a joke on the right. Enlightenment. It's he becomes a reactionary, uh, technically, objectively a reactionary, right? Because like, what's the operative of commerce? Commerce. commerce. All right, uh, the money making. What's the op- commerce? What's yes, the opposite of uh, What's the opposite of money making? What's some sort of seabird? <laughs> what's the opposite of that? Some kind <laughs> of land crab? <laughs> <laughs> That's something it's a dialogue that would fit right in here perfectly. That's what, sorry, sorry. That's the yes, the notorious reference yeah. to our previous review, but um, but basically he becomes reactionary. He's like, what's the opposite of money making? I know, nature. I'll be nature, mm-hmm. right? Religion. Religion is the opposite of uh, of money making, right? So he's playing out the events, but that's a Catholic thing. Money making was a Protestant thing. That, that, that was the Catholic slander against the Protestants. That they end up being materialists and proto atheists. You mean the, you mean the uh, you completely know, true thing? That there. Yes, it, it is the hundred percent true thing. <laughs> that uh, we are proud Tradcath podcast. The the consequences um, of so, the Protestant Reformation have been disastrous for humanity. 
human race for the human, for the race. human race exactly <laughs> so it was so it was very confused but then it can do like wouldn't he be a catholic but then you double it back down because the luther the idea of protestantism is that whatever you feel like uh the the god speaks to a man's own soul revelation is not belonging to the pope or authority or structure it is to your own man's soul right he's a baptist right if, i don't know much about my baptist lore but lore. Uh, i'm pretty sure guess what what their leader was lore yeah it's lore Right, the Baptist, whoever uh, founded Baptism was like, I feel it this way, therefore I'll go create my own sect, you know? So it's a parody of the Reformation, right? It's both a parody of reaction and Reformation. So he's like, you know what? I, f I can justify whatever the fuck I want as long as it's based on my feeling. He even yeah. says this. Wow, yeah. it's completely arbitrary how I feel. And you know, and he's a pushover too, because the protagonist, he's bored. He's like, he, he is intrigued and scared of the little micro store. Then he has a nightmare about it, and then he's interested about it, but then he gets bored again, and he realizes that the idea of the store behind his laundry room is much more interesting than the reality, and he kind of doesn't want it to end. He fantasizes about it. He kind of realizes, man, I kind of want this to go on forever, right? Because he feels like he just gets back into the hedonistic treadmill, basically. He gets used to it. He literally says this. Yeah. Uh, this protagonist is very similar to Zulu's uh, previous well, actually, character. I was he knows gonna his ask very about well. that. Are all Zulu protagonists have this sort of like slightly hapless, introspective character? Because I I, I I had the exact same observation. Um. So I would say that it is less the case that. So in Savage Green, they. In Savage Green, the protagonist is not. Uh, in Modem Waves, he is. And in Cephalopology, he okay. is not. Uh, I was curious if that was like a, yeah. a shtick. Although, although the, although the, the, you know, the, the passive hapless character uh, who, who things happen at, right? <laughs> not, not even necessarily to, uh, but is, is definitely. Um, is definitely featured in all of his stories. It's definitely in there, even if it's not necessarily the protagonist. But that character is 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 used a lot by by Zulu. He does it very well. It's the narrator from Fight Club without Tyler Durden, basically. Brutal. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, yeah. I mean this in a good way. I mean, I mean he portrays it yeah. perfectly. He's an office drone. He's a wagey. It gets bored. And so I think that's the interpretation. But I feel like I'm being pranked. I think we're getting pranked because of this line. He, he talks the same kind of phrasing that he does earlier. Now, this is the line that kind of pseudo pisses me off or I find clever. I'm not sure yet. This is the line. He took a moment to consider what a person who was suffering from delusions of reference might make of this situation. To such a person, nothing was without significance. The entire universe was either a reflection of, or a suggestion to, their subconscious. They would believe that the convenience store had materialized to make a statement about either convenience stores or laundry rooms. The solution, therefore, would not be found by uncovering more information about the convenience store, but rather in answering the universe's challenges with their own. Get, yeah. Do you get the joke? Like, like, that's what he does. That's what he does. It's not about convenience. Oh, it's not about convenience doors. It's rather, I need to answer with my own answer, mm. but rather in answering the universe's challenges with one of his own. He's mocking the reader 
He's yeah, we're doing what we Greg does. You're right. You're right. Greg. You know Greg. what? I buy into your interpretation and I adapt it as my own. And it's canon now. That is uh, uh, this first 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 time <laughs> for everything. In fact, <laughs> yeah, all right. um, uh, basically, very good story. Meta can be interpreted at least two ways and argued yeah, on both sides. Absolutely. Solid, very polished. Um, first class act, usual Zulu goodness. Zulu yep. is very reliable. Um, all right. The next one, the penultimate story in, in this anthology is Night Shift by Ogden Nes- Nesmer, the, uh, the, the lit pig man. Um, he brings he home the bacon. the bacon. Um, <laughs> so, uh, the, so Night Shift is about... Humorously enough, uh, a convenience store employee um, who who basically gets the shit beat out of him by some rowdy teenagers, uh, and it's uh, it's it's basically him talking about. So this guy's sort of stuck at this uh, stuck at this convenience store. Um, his managers keep changing, getting promoted or moving away or what have you. But this guy is the is the one consistent feature of the convenience store. And every time a manager comes, they do one thing and then al- alter this environment that he's trapped in. Um, and he's sort of the the one the 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 consistent portion of it, like sort of living under this strata of of managerial decisions. Um, and at one point he, uh, they realize that there's a, a basement and there's a, uh, there's a, there's a mold filled, disgusting, horrible, um, deep, dark place, um, in the heart of the building, uh, which is significant. One of the, uh, and he he's constantly wondering what's going on down there, and he's constantly worried about um, he's constantly worried about the guy who beat the shit out of him coming back. And one of the managers has left him a uh, has left him a gun. So he eventually, um, you know, gets gets kind of bored, goes downstairs. And decides to poke around the basement again, and he discovers a discovers a small door. Um, once I was in the basement, I found something new. It couldn't be new, but it had to be a little steel hatch on the back wall. But because it wasn't a wall, it was a door. It couldn't be opened. I pushed it, and the wood oozed saturation like a sponge. But it didn't open. We had no key for it. We had thousands of keys stashed in the drawers and cabinets, but they didn't belong to the door. I checked. I threw all my weight into the wall again and again and knocked down some mushrooms, which hit the ground with oily splats. The little bell over the door rang. They walked in, laughing. I heard them, but I was busy trying to open the new door, and I tried not to listen to them. I wanted to find the hinges, but there didn't seem to be any. I pawed around, feeling moisture and mold decorating every inch. But the hinges, they noticed my absence. Ain't nobody here, I heard one say. I ran my fingers along the ground to try and find the crack under the door to pry it up, but there was nothing. 
Heard them laughing again and again, vicious, stuffing things into their pockets. Things were being broken. They were laughing. I grabbed the chain cutters and started hacking away at the soft, mushy wood. It sprayed me with each stab, black water thick with filth and bacteria. The water heater was whining and burping, and the commotion upstairs wound down. Someone said, hello? I had the sharp end burrowed deep, wedged between the latch and the wood to try to pop it off. As I pushed my weight and felt the wood creak, a hollow pop echoed down as as if down the long hallway, reverberating off the walls into space. They were looking for me upstairs now. And when he stood in the doorway watching me, hungrily curious, I didn't need to turn to know it was him. He'd returned for me. He recognized me as I, him. And when I turned the cutters to him, he sprayed too, wet on my face, and opened up to silence. And then suddenly, I was freed. So, I I interpret this as the the rot that undergirds this this like this building is being emblematic of the internal life of of this hapless yeah. cashier. <laughs> And the resentment and, um, like, the resentment and the the trappedness of, of him having to, you know, essentially he had to hack his way out. And so either, either the actual guy who beat the shit out of him or some random person that he has interpreted as being the same guy uh, has, has, has died... And it is eventually yeah. released. And there's this theme of confinement. Um, like he's he even when he's working, he's free. behind like a glass shield, plastic shield thing. And then his escape is to slide deeper into this tight little tube of a basement space. It's really like a had like a constricting feeling to it all the way through, which I liked. Dare I say, urban decay? Uh, the city, the city is an animal. Yeah, I mean, this is this is this is this is pretty burger punk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is pure burger punk uh, and like the, what what ogden does so well is that he he loves the vagueness but unlike let's say saccharin which i do love you, when you put in the work to do to actually uncover this you are rewarded much more a depth there's a richness to it it's like a like a layer to cheesecake you got the whipped cream you got the cookies and cream you got the mousse it's this is it like uh he, the pressure literally builds up with the water heater whining and he's just trying to open the door he's trying to open it he's, he's covered in sludge in bacteria dirtiness he just he's filth he's the embodiment yep. of filth and it's only through letting out his rage right because he's been in paranoid right he's an absolute urban paranoia about this one guy beating his ass and so he finally releases the st- he lets the steam out basically and suddenly i was freed and uh that's all you need to know right it, 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 he knows when to end a story well, perfectly every almost every time and he this is like this is a tight five pages yeah like this is this is not a this is not long by any stretch of the imagination and the amount the amount that is like crammed into that is yeah, there's no fat on these bones. Very respectful right? of the reader's time. Completely completely shredded. A completely shredded <laughs> story. I was the so. fucking jacked and sweet you can get, bro. So I said progress picks. Yeah. Uh, this 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 dude's got some, this man, this this story's got some vascularity. <laughs> it's like 
Oh man, the back of the back of the story looks like a fucking thin, leaf. thin solid, tight. Yeah, this is the lit bro version of physiognomy. This is pro like Ronnie Coleman's neck <laughs> rip. <laughs> big Ronnie. Um, big Ronnie. Right. Good. Perfect. Literally, it is a perfect story. Basically, it's a great one. Next, mouths. By Louis Lapine. Mouths. Also known as Mouths. Also known oh, as, yeah, to title? me it'll always be title. Mouths is a story of Francisco Santos, uh, an epistolary story told between email exchange between himself. True epistolary. Yeah, true, true epistolary. Neo-epistolary. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Neo, uh, Neo <laughs> yeah. It being emails does it's not e- make it. E-epistolary. E- epistolary <laughs> Yeah, and Fernando Santos, his sister, who is in—I don't know if it's said directly—is in Mexico or South America, somewhere. He's um—he's an illegal immigrant to America, uh, living some urban environment. He's in an apart—he got an apartment when it starts up. Uh, he's sort of just getting settled, getting a job as a um, as a busboy, trying to you know get get enough money to send home. Bold move, Cotton, in this in this these parts to. Uh, <laughs> to have an illegal immigrant protagonist, but I thought he was extremely like relatable, really well characterized right from the start. Um, I, you know, I, you, you've met this guy. The story unfolds that he's he's in this crummy apartment. He realizes that in the basement where the, um, you know, the laundry machines are, there's this sort of one strange hole he finds at first with some teeth. And then um, slowly more holes appear and things start to fall into them and be absorbed. The The scene I want to read is this one really good one where, so he, you know, he meets a girl, they start dating, things keep going, getting better and better, even as this whole issue gets worse. Eventually he calls, I think it's a super or um, landlord or something, Mr. Silva. Landlord. Yeah. He's the landlord. He's the owner. Okay. So Mr. Silva... He, sh- he takes him down to show him the this sort of the, the pivot when things really go into free fall. Um, you know, here's the hole. So Mr. Silva took out a cheap lighter from his pocket and lit it up next to one of the smaller mouths in the wall. Its teeth began to quiver and the thing hissed at us in response as if it were in pain. We were startled for a bit and Mr. Silva handed me the keys to his truck and told me to bring back a red gallon of gas that he keeps in the back. I was only gone for about a minute or so. And that was long enough for things to go wrong. When I came back to the laundry room, I found him lying on his side, still holding onto the lighter, his head just fucking gone, Nanda. I don't mean bitten off, just gone. As if he never had one to begin with. There was no blood, smooth skin covered his neck where the wound should have been. So that's sort of the the frank way it's described, you know, again, in, in, the, in the form of an email to his sister. And... It's terrifying the way it's like just so quickly the way it happens. And then he um, basically has to handle it. He has to dispose of the body. And we discover later, you know, basically the these mouths into this uh, this sort of other world um, dimension or something. And uh, yeah. And so the next sequence of events, you know, he, he starts feeding the mouths. He starts getting more and more desperate. He has to steal from his workplace, gets fired for stealing food from the restaurant he works in to feed these creatures his tv vanishes um he 
plans to move in with this girl he's dating then she gets eaten by them he turns his back for a minute i'm laughing but it's, it's told in a pretty you know disturbing way um and then his hand vanishes and then it ends with him um lighting the building on fire yeah he burns he yeah, burns and everything. then there's an email to his sister well, oh, don't forget the, punch the, the last one was an email to his sister from um, someone else. It was basically it was bo- two bodies found in mysterious blaze. Um, you know, a news clipping of basically, I guess, his body and, and possibly the um, the girlfriend's body was found after the whole building had burned down in this fire. He started as sort of an end it all final excuse. And then, yeah, then the punchline, Gabe, if this is what you're thinking, was he mailed them. He put one of the holes back when he was, it was this novelty he first discovered. He, he shipped it. No, he he didn't ship the hole. No, he he sh- yeah, he didn't no, grab he, the hole and put it in. He was he wanted to ship a doll for his niece. And so he shipped he 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 shipped this doll but it took forever to get there it took like a really long time for the post to get it to her and apparently a hole had hitched a ride on the on the stuffed animal or or on the stuffed animal and had eaten it in the oh so it was an accident okay i interpreted it i must have misunderstood i I thought it was on purpose because he was he was intrigued in the hole at first when he was at the same time he wrote the letter uh, about sending them yeah. a package but okay no. so it was just an accident but anyway the hole escaped is the punchline correct yeah the hole the holes still exist he sacrificed himself and some holes yeah. still exist and uh so, well it, it, it's a yeah. lovecraft oh yeah story, super basically. otherworldly super it has a great build-up too well and he looks inside the hole and sees like a vast network like of- <laughs> A vast, a vast entity. Yeah, like a it, he sees Azathoth basically, and it's a big yeah. stomach basically. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, yeah, it's like it, it is. It's very on theme, right? Very on theme for for the for the collection. Like, it's definitely a weird tale. It's a modern weird tale. I I like that. I like that uh, the protagonist isn't an illegal immigrant because of my heckin' representation in Reno, but because it constrains his ability to make choices at, because of his fear of yeah. deportation. Like, he's... Some of his, like, his actions are taken in the context of that, which makes him less able to, like, address the situation and causes it to get out of control. So... It fills in the plot hole. It fills because this is basically a found footage film. It's a script for a found yeah, footage film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean this in a good way. It's a good found footage film. You can easily see the Bloomhouse, like a, a million dollar budget, very tight, single location. This is, it would be Fund an it. excellent script. Uh, yes, we, yes, honorably, Louise Lapin. You deserve funding for this, Louise Lapin. Because. See, the dialogue is kind of clunky. He's like, oh, hello, my sister. Ah, I'm so poor. You know, but you can kind of so get away poor. with that because it's like a trans... It's ironically. <laughs> hey, Holmes, I'm so I poor. I am so poor. Right, I am poor so poor, glad poor. that this uh, this Croatian woman wants my penis. <laughs> <laughs> I speak English not that good. It's it, it's cheeky. How many oranges you got to sell to get get out of that hole that he's in? Dude, oh my God. how much chicken feet do you have to throw into it before you? 
What? Uh, no, but the dialogue is naturally clunky. You can kind of see. Oh, it, what what Sakura was trying to do with old translation shit. You can kind of see here. It's it, it is clunky. He's like, oh dear sister, I want to talk to you. Like everything is going well. I'm working with a Chinese guy. It's great. Oh shit, there's these holes. <laughs> Them holes. And the buildup is great. It escalates, escalates, right? And him saying, oh, like it it just it on the boundary of believability. Like, why the fuck do you just not leave? He's like, oh, I need the money, na 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 na. Like, it's just because he's like he's paranoid about being deported. So it's just he thinks about his sister. It's just yeah. believable enough. Like, you, it doesn't break your immersion, you know. And he and he also adds a mind wipe ability to the holes. Like, it, it kind of pseudo possesses him. So it's it's also kind of Deus Ex Machina. The mind wipe helps him basically just get over it. Yeah, it ate my hand. Yeah, he's it sort of losing his, his mind. And he's it's not whatever. sleeping too. So he's <laughs> right. at the end because he's like so paranoid about it. He's not sleeping well. Um, yeah, no, I just for me this was probably one of my favorites. Um, uh, definitely in my top three, I think for this collection. Just the I I found the voice very believable in terms of the letters and. Um, yeah, just well, just well, just really well told. And notice he does get a kind of a happy ending. He does. What about the head? That's my question. Is there so was there a random they're, skull? They're together in death. <laughs> well, that he, that head's that that head's been long digested. Okay. It has to be fresh for it to pop out. <laughs> because long gone. no, because because remember remember he was like he could feel his hand getting digested, which is really fucked up when you think about the guy with he the head in there. He, that fucking blood. Like, imagine that hell. Well, that the well that like oh that the head was probably oh, still yeah. fairly conscious. He must have been just like screaming yeah. into the void as his body is sitting on a couch <laughs> back at his house. Yeah. No, he's probably like choking on stomach well, or, like acid. He's 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 getting waterboarded well, by stomach that, acid. You know, to be fair, he probably did just throw the rest of the body in the hole. So maybe it was, you know, yeah, maybe it got <laughs> reconnected. So then he was still screaming. Mr. Mr. Silva did not deserve that. <laughs> Mr. <laughs> he was renting a, a windowless basement apartment <laughs> in a legal, like like the the real American way. <laughs> yeah, I don't think uh, anything else on it though. No, it was like it was it was straight to the point. It was just really well executed. How dare you? I do have a critique of it. Yeah. I personally do have a mm-hmm. critique of this. It's with the ending. All right, I felt the ending punch of because we we think about it from the from the little girl's perspective. She opens a box. The, the like the sister comes in. Oh my god! The girl's screaming. She's crying in the corner. She looks inside the package. It's a mouth, aka a hole. And when I when I first skim read this, I was like, oh my god, the girl's mouth is inside there, right? I thought because she opened the box, the, the, the girl's actually fine. I got it. Like I got it. I, I guess I was confused no, about throw away the if box. he intended to send it or not, but I I got that it was the mouth, like the mouth. If that was your confusion, yeah, no, yeah, yeah it's it's the mouth from the hole. It's the whole mouth. It's I, I thought the little girl's mouth. Why would, would her taken, mouth be right? Taken? And it, like it would. She opened the box. Her hair, her oh, head's hovering. Open the box. She mouth. opened the box. That's weird. Yeah, that's weird. That that's, doesn't it, make it any would, sense. It's one of the punch. What? It's a punchline. It, it, it's a punchline mm. to the title that actually works within the narrative. Because you just throw away the box. It's part of a box. You it's got, it's there's no threat the to bo- the end. No, actually, you, have to, you still have to destroy it, or else the, the whole thing will happen again. She has to burn down herself, her, her just the sister, well, the entire know, house you with just her. Gotta, you got to burn the box. Well, yeah, it, the, if he had burnt, 
here, here's the moral of the story, man. If you find something new and unexplainable, burn it immediately. Whatever, whatever you haven't seen, whatever you're slightly unfamiliar with, light it on fire. Because otherwise, it could turn into a That's huge a problem. Moral. Stranger, right. stranger danger, both yeah. objects. It's stranger danger, but objects. <laughs> yeah, it's it's, it's also object. true. Yeah, it's it's true of of any any new and unexplainable thing. Fear of the unknown. Fear, fear of the unknown is perfectly perfectly justifiable. Anyone anyone you've anyone you've USO. never met before, they could be a mouth. <laughs> you don't know. Lord knows my ex was a mouth. Oh, You've never dated anyone. <laughs> what yes, to get, get married, Named Gabe? Once you're married, first and last, there's a lot address. less mouth once you get married. I, trust me. Hey, I it's <laughs> her name is Serana. I met her in a cave. Uh, you know, I you know I did not get along with her father. Either. That's that's from that's from the Skyrim expansion Dawn Guard. <laughs> And you can't even romance Serana, thank you. So, so I, not only I played it a so mod, not thank only you very much. did you, did you name a video game waifu? You named one that didn't even have romance options as your girlfriend. You got turned down by the fictional character. Listen, Todd bless. I played it with mods. It all right, simply, I even got the pregnancy mod. Works. All right, it just all right. Works. And with on that note, I think let's let's call it there. Um, that's the end of our stories. Any any, I guess, final thoughts on the collection as a whole? We've been through the whole. We've been through the whole haul of it, boys. What's last last thoughts on it? As a mouth, um, I would say uh, this is definitely better than Tales One um, as a collection. Uh, if it would be significantly better if saccharin had not been included the average would have gone way up uh, uh, disagree and, disagree. and Gabe is wrong about stuff Co-sign. constantly <laughs> but especially in this it- case uh but you know what you you dear listener do not have to take our word for it because this is free it costs free fitty you can still buy a physical version on Amazon and uh, join join the the physical Chad revolution here, and do that if you enjoy reading it. Uh, but you can you can try before you buy because it is it is free on uh, on their sub. Yeah, they do, they it, do it for, for free. free. Um, how about you guys, Gabe? For for me. It's a basically like a, like a fucking like a not a jigsaw. What's a seesaw? A seesaw. The highs. This is the best stories and the absolute worst stories. With with tales one, it was actually very evenly balanced. You know, yet one good story, one meh, two good ones meh. It was it was very patterned. It had like a rhythm to it. Here. Other than the Skylish story at the beginning, which is the actual real first story, I refuse to acknowledge the water one, um, was excellent slog through stuff that's mediocre and something that's, ah, man, it's solid. And then right in the second half, it is so backloaded. So this is a seesaw experience. Really, six stories Mm. here are worth your time. And and, and, uh, half of them are truly amazing and excellent. And the other herd are really, really solid. I... I, th- I think it is completely delusional to say that 
that water nymph is worse than saccharin. That is completely yeah. delusional. Saccharin is unique. It's unique, damn. Unique is not. I'm gonna keep going back to my fart analogy. <laughs> my fart happy birthday song. But um, I, I do agree with your point about the seesaw nature of this one, Gabe. Tails one. Yeah, it was more consistent. But yeah, this. I I think I would just recommend yeah doing it free. Maybe just read it in reverse order. <laughs> Maybe that would be the best way to enjoy it. And then feel free to skip the middle if you read like three paragraphs and you don't like it. Just skip it. Um, and then you'll you'll find quite a lot of good stuff because, like I said, yeah, there's like really it's like a a third I would say is not very good. And the rest is either like quite solid to really, really good. All right. There you have it. All right. Let's call it there. Yeah. Check it out. Download it. Read it. Shit on them. And then review it on Amazon. Publicly name and shame everyone. <laughs> yeah. Dox. Dox everyone who offended you. Um, show up at their house. Uh, demand your time back for, uh, you know, however long you spent reading the story. And obviously, you know driving yeah. there that was the only so. only logical choice send send come tributes to the ones you liked All and right. send scat tributes to the ones you uh, hated got one with your name on it mcnaughton <laughs> god damn it <laughs> and with that gonna gonna play you happy birthday <laughs> <laughs> All right, good night everyone good night good night It's a trap, uh, except it's a magical wand instead of a penis. The sex wasn't that good. I, I, the sex scene, like where he says he's only a little bit excited as he crawls on her with a knife. Of course, obviously, he should be much more visually excited at that. You know what I mean? It's like, my God, I fantasize about this. You think it's torture, right? <laughs>